Happy Holidays. Welcome to the F This Movie Holiday Show for 2023. I am your host, Patrick Brownlee, joined, as always, for this very special holiday episode by the man in the majestic robe, Adam Risky. <laughs> Happy Holidays, everybody. Happy Holidays, Adam. Yeah. We have quite a setup here. We do. Um, should we set the scene? Yeah. Okay, so per usual, we have Santa Chucky. Right. Holding things down, top of the heap. Um, threatening us if anything gets out of order. Threatening us. We have a, a mini Christmas tree yeah. decorated to perfection. On top is a elegant star. <laughs> um, we have a box of 1991 Adams Family cereal, <laughs> factory sealed with the Lurch flashlight. We have our presents for each other. Yeah. We have my my notebook, we have Patrick's laptop, we have our mics, we have our soundboard, we have an assortment of holiday foods, we have an edible strawberry flavor elf on the shelf gummy. Very upsetting. Um, we have a box of Peeps Marshmallow Snowmen. I a, will not be partaking in those. I'll, I'll take care of that. Um, <laughs> we have a little tub of uh, hot cocoa cotton candy. We have an assortment of candy canes brought to the or people at brought to us by the good people at Post. There's six fruity pebbles and cocoa pebbles candy canes. Exactly. I'm wondering if they just taste like the cereal or if there's like peppermint. I hope there. they taste like the cereal. I was gonna say I'll be I, disappointed if they don't. Yeah, I don't like peppermint per se. So like having it just tastes like the cereal is like where I need. Is this it to because be. they knew that we did a Flintstones Patreon episode? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I got comped. I just get like these. <laughs> nice. It's like a flatbed, and then they just drop it, and then I'm just like, guys. Just bring me a few. Um, got a little bit ba- uh, miniature bags of um, chocolate gelt, so yeah, milk, baby. milk chocolate coins to celebrate belated Hanukkah. Uh, speaking of celebrating a belated Hanukkah, we have a new friend uh, brought to you by the f- the fine people at CVS Rite Aid, um, <laughs> Judah Macabot 2.0, who the Hanukkah if, robot, Hanukkah robot, who if will if turned on will spin around the table. And sing Hanukkah songs. Maybe we'll get to him later. Oh, for sure we um, will. We have uh, Mr. Chill, which is an animated snowman who sings 45-minute loops of Christmas music plus jokes. Yeah. Um, but he's he's adorable. He is adorable. He has like an animated face. It's insane technology. It's got an internal projector. I debated letting him sing Christmas carols the entire show. I would have been Which Adam was down with, but I decided not to because I thought it might annoy people. Yeah, and then we have an assortment of holiday beers. Yeah. Um, We have Fistmas, 
uh, red ale with ginger and orange peel. Um, we have <laughs> Patrick had that last year. I think I had it too. Um, we have a uh, St. Bernardus Christmas ale. It's just like a seventies looking regal guy. <laughs> he looks like he would have been at the regal beagle. Um, yeah, for sure. we have uh, last Christmas Belgian style quadruple. Um, so I'm hoping that's kind of like a, a wheat beer type flavor. And then the most pretentious of all beers, the Evil Twin Brewing. No offense, guys. Um, Christmas Eve at New York City Hotel Room Royal Suite Edition. I feel like that's the one I want to try, but it's the biggest can, and I'm going to feel bad pouring most of it out. We could always get cups. Oh, that's true. Or we could just pour it into this like carrying case <laughs> drink it and dribble it, drink it out of the cardboard <laughs> before it leaks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. This is my favorite show to do. You've gone all out, sir. You're wearing the majestic robe. Yeah, well, it's the holiday show. You yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny because like the majestic robe gets put on every year. Well, I think this is the second year where I've worn yeah. it for the holiday show. But then I go through like a season of majestic robe where like this is the the, the opening day. So okay, to speak. nice. And then for like maybe about two three weeks, like I'm only wearing this pretty much <laughs> if I'm home. <laughs> And then I put it aside for a while. So, Do you ever switch it up with the Grinch robe? Not really, because no. the Grinch robe is more confining. Oh. Um, it's the same size, so supposedly, but like it feels a little tighter. Mm-mm. And it's kind of real bulky. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Grinch robe. So as <laughs> if you weren't listening last year, I bought a um, wrap gift from the movie The Majestic that Jim Carrey gave to the casting crew, and it was a robe, and it has... <laughs> that someone sold on eBay. <laughs> someone sold on eBay um, that has, like, the logo for the theater marquee for The Majestic, and it says, like, to to whomever, from Jim, and stuff like that. And then, apparently, this was his move, like, in the early 2000s, because on <clears throat> the set of The Grinch, he also gifted everybody robes. So, of course, I bought The Grinch robe, <laughs> and it came with a personalized card that says... Spank you very much, Jim Carrey. <laughs> Number 23 robe next year? I hope so. Yeah. I love you, Philip Morris robe. Yeah. I'm, I wonder if he went that far into the 2000s. I don't what think came, so. What came out after the Majestic for him? Mm. I can't remember. Lemon a snack it robe? <laughs> <laughs> a series of unfortunate robes? <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but that's yeah. uh, Brad Silberling. I should yeah. revisit it. I saw that. Uh, it's 2004, so I'm revisiting it. As oh, of nice. January 1st, the, the door is wide open. <laughs> I got to wait until then. Uh, hey, Adam, have you seen anything good lately? Yeah. Um, so I'll talk about uh, one movie that I talked about already last week, which was Boiling Point. Yes. Um I don't remember who directed Boiling Point. I put it over there. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, it's I, too late. I have this it machine is. here that will tell me the answer also. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Chill. Yeah. It's Mr. Chill, right? <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Yeah. The director of Boiling Point. <laughs> it, mm, there's a lot of movies called Boiling Point. Shit. <laughs> 93. Uh, James B. Harris. Oh, yeah. He. Thanks, Mr. Chill. I remember reading this was his final movie. But he was an elder statesman director. Got it. Um, but it was interesting because when I saw Boiling Point in 1993, I remember renting it off of pay-per-view. And they were just like, he was the passenger 57. He fought the demolition man. Now reach his bo- now see him reach his boiling point. And then he has like, they 
specifically cut like the only like always bet on black type right, line right, right. from boiling point into the ad so he's just like oh i'm bringing him home in a box and that's not the movie <laughs> so like when i saw it in 93 i was just like what the hell is this old man fuddy-duddy movie um, if you think he's mad <laughs> you should see his dad if you, think you saw the Valley Girl trailer last night. It's insane. At one point, yeah. they tried to turn it into a movie about Frederick Forrest, and then they quickly abandoned that idea and just go back to the romance. They totally shame him. Yeah. They're just like, he sucks, <laughs> by the way. Um, just a weird drive-by shading of Frederick Forrest. It's, he had it coming, apparently. Um, <laughs> maybe it was a jealousy trap. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, Boiling Point, I mentioned last week, it is like a neo-noir and i didn't remember that at all and now obviously that i've seen more noirs than i did when i was 11 like i like it a lot more i think the dennis hopper stuff is really really good it's basically like the one last score type of thing um vigo mortensen it's a really good early 90s vigo nice he's he's like the psychopath uh, second in command with Dennis Hopper. Okay. Um, Lolita Davidovich is a call girl because noir. Um, <laughs> because Lolita Davidovich. Yeah. And uh, it's weird because, like, Snipes is um, a weird fit for the movie. But every time he has a scene with Davidovich, it comes alive. Okay. Like, he's re- like that almost, like, kind of saves his participation in the movie. <laughs> Because it doesn't work as a Wesley Snipes vehicle for me, okay. but like his scenes with her are like really good, and that plus like the, all the Dennis Hopper stuff is like great. And I was shocked. I'm into it. I was just like, I'll give this another chance, but yeah. I don't expect much. And I was blown away by it. Is Sugar Hill next? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I think the only one of the '90s run of his that I haven't seen. I thought there were more because I teased up on like I teed up, teased up, <laughs> I teased it up. I teed up on last week's show that I was going to go through like a unseen snipes run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I've pretty much seen everything except for Sugar Hill, and I haven't seen all of One Night Stand. Yeah, I haven't either. But that's about it. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. Boiling point. Yeah, boiling point. Awesome. Um, and then I watched st- sticking with the thrillers. I've been doing a lot of 90s thrillers, and it's been fun. the best. I watched Never Talk to Strangers for the first time. (laughs) Speaking of the best. Have you seen that? I saw it when it came out on video, and I haven't seen it since. Okay. I remember them fucking on, like, a chain link fence. As you do. I remember Dennis Miller being in the movie. Yes, he was. That's about all I remember. Yeah, Miller was in, like, every movie in 1995. He was always friend. He was always friend. Or partner. Yeah, and he was always just like, what's going on here? Um, yeah. I haven't seen somebody fucked on a chain link fence like that since the 97 Cubs, baby. I haven't seen a hotter schizophrenic since Mont Vesuvius, babe. Um, I don't even know what that means. No, it works. It's yeah. Dennis Miller. Uh, it's Hetty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I really liked Never Talk to Strangers in a way that I wasn't expecting. Because, I was not expecting it either. Yeah. Um, I. It's funny how the tropes that you got sick of at a certain point in time removed 30 years and right. they kind of become delightful again. Sure. So when I heard spoilers, I won't. I'll try not to spoil, but I'll try to spoil a little bit. Spoilers that, like, somebody is. Has Talking multiple person- oh, has sorry, like multiple ahead. personalities, 
and then we reveal that the personality that was terrorizing the protagonist was also them and they were like doing things like smearing poo messages on the walls and stuff i'm just like this is amazing um i'm like we've got hot sex and poo messaging there needs to be like wild things style deleted scene credits of yeah. rebecca de mornay just rubbing her own shit everywhere <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny because there's like a scene where like her other personality sees it and is like cleaning it, and then she's throwing up in the toilet, and then it's just like it's funny. It's really this was a movie. Yeah, this was a movie. Um, but yeah, I forgot like how many movies had that element of psychological right uh, mistreatment or like right, 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 or just such i don't know it's so it's 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 total exploitation it's like taking something that's serious of just being like they're weird um but i had a really good time it was fun antonio banderas is like so suave especially in this time period where i don't know it's just funny like you see he like he meets her in a wine store and he's just like we're going to bed and then i'm just like yeah <laughs> she's fucking the nasonex b against the chain link fence yeah i always think that's funny with the chain link fence thing because i'm it's going just to like, be in your pussy he's just like he's like angle it better <laughs> let me get this cock through one of the holes prepare to take my stinger <laughs> i've got a weird rash <laughs> He did this the same year he did Desperado, right? Yeah. 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 What a year he had. Yeah, shot out of a cannon, that man. <laughs> he also had Assassins the same month. What? Yeah. He was wow. all over 95. Dang. He's like, let's do the, jo- the, <laughs> the position I call the Mumble King. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now I need to revisit Never Talk to Strangers. Yeah. Yeah. It sold was, me on a rewatch. It was fun. Uh, and then I watched Playing God for the first time. Yes! Finally, someone else has seen playing God. Uh, did anybody direct that? Like, was it a no? Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, I, I think it was a TV guy. Hold okay. on, I want to say it's Andy something. I should uh, look. I think Andy Wilson. I definitely I saw it, it opening Wilson. night at a midnight show. Yeah. Just saying, Andy Wilson is correct. All right. Yeah. Um, it's the most 1997 movie <laughs> ever made. Um, I don't like Timothy Hutton interesting okay so i had an issue with that a little bit and i understand he's playing like somebody who's not likable but i it's more for me of me trying to overcome like cool guy performance for somebody i think is not cool at all (laughs) um i like the a lot yeah it's good early angelina jolie yeah surprisingly big role for michael massey yeah which i was a fan of yeah for sure um I like that he had to use an inhaler at some point because he's like threatening them and he's just like, hold on, let me go <laughs> turn the window and inhale. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I had a good time with it. There's a there's a great moment in Playing God, which is a movie I like more than anybody. Um, I mm. love the Duchovny narration. Yeah. Like I think some of the stuff, some of the dialogue that's written for him is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a moment, Adam's opening the snowman peeps. That's the first treat of the 2023 holiday show. Yep. There is a moment where a henchman gets, he's in a car, and he gets stabbed in the neck. It's kind of a 
twist we didn't see coming. (laughs) And he flashes to moments earlier when he was like the hero. Yeah, his cool guy moment. It's this amazing. It turns into a fucking French New Wave movie for like 15 seconds. I've never seen that in a movie before where all of a sudden we're given like the henchman's final thoughts and he's remembering like his glory from moments earlier. I love it so much. Yeah, I thought that was so unusual and it definitely took me like a second or two. I'm like, oh, that's what they're doing. That's really kind of idiosyncratic and And then, But there's nothing else in the movie like that. Not really. I don't know. I like that movie. (laughs) It was the second movie on a double Blu-ray for the other movie, which we'll get to. We will we'll get to it. The trailer for Playing God teases a deleted sex scene with Duchovny and Angelina Jolie. I read in the IMDb trivia that she filmed two sex scenes, but they both got cut. How weird. I mean, yeah. it's fine. I, I'm yeah. not looking to exploit Angelina Jolie any further, but no. uh, in 97... You're like, That's okay surprising yeah. to me that they would have cut something that would have sold more copies of their movie on VHS. She looks like she rolled off the set of Hackers. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Same, you know, makeup. Yeah. Um, and then I watched uh, Speechless, which you let me borrow, <laughs> which is out of print, sort of. I oh, think, I didn't realize I it was of, a fucking treasure. It's, it's either not. It's either out of print or just not streaming anywhere because I remember looking for it at other points in time okay. and not being able to find it i'm sure somebody out because it was put out by olive and yeah. every olive title is now getting another release because other studios are swooping in and picking mm-hmm. up so i'm sure like kino lorber will will redistribute speechless for those of you who are like how do i see speechless after adam talks about it. oh totally totally um yeah it was a weird movie because it starts hallmarky yeah and i wasn't into it and yeah. i felt like this is kind of a I don't know, a misuse of potential reteaming of Keaton and Davis. And oh, I then, forget they were in Beetlejuice together. I'm I didn't like, remember what's the until, reteaming? I'm, I didn't remember until I read it again. <laughs> um, but about halfway through, yeah. it turns into this sweet, mature romance. Yeah. Where it's like these two people who really want to be together, um, but their jobs are natural obstacles because they're competing uh, they're speechwriters for competing political campaigns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just like the repartee, so to speak, between Keaton and Gina Davis. And Gina Davis can do a dog bark like nobody's business. And, um, yeah, it's just cool to see, like, especially Gina Davis kind of in a romantic comedy. Because yes. I feel like she hasn't done too many of those. Either um, has Michael Keaton, really. No, not really. Yeah, but they're just, like, so charming and... By the end of the movie, it's like kind of a screwball comedy. Mm-hmm. And, um, it seemed sort of out of fashion even in 94, but like now especially, it's just kind of this unicorn. And it was just like really pleasant to see a movie star vehicle where like the stars are uh, being asked to kind of like get a lot of mileage off of their charisma. Right. And they do. Right. And it has what <clears throat> will be a column later, but it's like one of my favorite current tropes. Which is um, where they clearly made an end credits song, prob- usually a duet, <laughs> for the explicit purpose of, like, let's get that Golden Globe nominee right? banner in the newspaper. Yeah? Right. So this one is, um, let's see. Oh, my God, Shazam, you're killing me. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, it was uh, Amy Grant and Vince Gill. 
And they're just like, and no doubt about it. And I'm like, yes. I just like found a lighter and like <laughs> started waving it. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, Amy Grant and Kevin Costner opened this very show. Oh, yeah. As they do every year. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin Costner's going to switch that to Jewel, but. So <laughs> They're going to re record. You didn't have to be so nice. Yeah. Yeah. With Jewel. Yeah. Uh, it was called House of Love. Oh, sure. By Amy Grant. Um, yeah, I also I shazammed quite a few songs in preparation for this <laughs> for this show. I, I shazammed Forever Young by the Pretenders. Okay. Which is featured in a whale of a movie. <laughs> um I shazam two songs by Hardline. Oh well yeah. Yeah. I know the two that you're talking about. I shazammed Can't these Yeah, it is so good. Um, I shazammed These Boots Are Made For Walking by Family of God from Playing God. <laughs> the movie Rules. I shazammed said. The Color of the Night from a movie we will talk about soon. <laughs> There's a title song? Yeah, it's the it's the instrumental oh, well, motif yeah. that yeah. plays throughout. But then, Does it but play they, throughout? I didn't notice. I think I'm joking, of, it plays <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah, and then um, a certain... Song called Jim Crow by reggae legend Jimmy Cliff and Steven Seagal, <laughs> which we'll get to later. We want the punani. Yeah. Well, well the punani will come up later, too. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I watched um, a couple of Christmas movies. Yeah, baby. Uh, actually, three. Okay. Well, actually, holiday movies. Okay. All right. I'll start with the Hanukkah one. Yeah. I watched Round and Round, which is this year's Hallmark Hanukkah movie. I need to just stop chasing Love Lights Hanukkah. That was an anomaly. Um, I like that movie because it just sort of is like Jewish people sort of love. Here's a story about that. Predictable lasagna. Predictable lasagna. Yeah. I'm going to write a book about it. Stuff like that. <laughs> I hate when people are just like, I'm going to write a book about it. I'm just like, it's not that casual. It's not like in March you're going to be done. So, um... But not in Love Lights Hanukkah. I believe he'll write that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I've seen other Hallmark movies, like Christmas ones, and they kind of just say, like, you're the couple, figure it out. Okay. There's not, like, a gimmick. Ah. Uh-huh. But for some reason, ever since Love Lights Hanukkah, every Jewish Hallmark movie okay. has to rely on some kind of gimmick. Interesting. And it makes me... An- it's annoying, because... <laughs> I just want to see two people falling in love. Right. And they had the eight gifts of Hanukkah, which was like, I'm going to give her clues on every night. And I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then last year, it was like a matchmaking one with like two competing delis, but it was just shop around the corner and you got mail. And then this year they did like a Groundhog Day one where like she can't not have Hanukkah until she like gets it right. So she's stuck in the same eight days or the same, the same day, one day, the same day. Okay. And it's really annoying <laughs> because the girl who is the lead, yeah. I'm not going to name her purposely. She's just like, is she famous at all? I don't think so. Okay. Then I won't the, bother the, looking. The guy her is Brian Greenberg from prime. 
Oh, okay. Um, so good to see. He was going to be a thing, right? They were trying him. Yeah. They tried him out a little bit. He was in <laughs> The Good Guy with Alexis Bledel, which is one of the most Is that the second time in two weeks that movie has come up? No, I mentioned post-grad. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> Gif- Gifford gives, gives good Gedrick. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm all in on the Bledel canon. Um, I'm going to so, write a book about it. I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> um <laughs> So she's just not appealing. She's just kind of like this, like rigid person. And even as she like the ice chips away, it's just not enough. Like okay. she just seems like the same uptight person. Um, it's even more annoying because they're not just doing Groundhog Day, but they're calling out specifically. They're like, "Oh, this is like Groundhog Day," and then they're like, "Oh, this is like Palm Springs." And then there's like a they're s- mentioning Palm Springs. It's weird. Did and- that movie make enough of a cultural impact? Apparently, that assumes everyone has Hulu. Oh, I don't even. I haven't even gotten to the worst one. <laughs> Where she says at one point, because she's interacting with the people during the day, and she's not shy about telling them that she thinks that she's in a time loop. Okay. So she tells one woman at her family's Hanukkah party, she's just like, um, yeah, I'm in a time loop. And then, or she says something where she can see into the future or whatever. Sure. And then the other woman just goes, like, Nick Cage and next? Huh. And I'm just like, what? This How? actually makes me want to watch this movie because I don't, I don't it's for that. fans of Next. Apparently. <laughs> but then, like, the only good thing in this movie yeah. is there is a twist at the end. That So the reason why there's a Groundhog Day thing is it has to do with a magic dreidel. Round and, and round. Like, I got it. When it gets spun. Yeah. It, and it happens to every member of this Jewish family. Like everyone, they all ha- get stuck in a time loop at a certain point in okay. life. Like when okay. they've needed it, they've gotten stuck in a time loop. <laughs> but no yeah. one mentions it to each other. No, and <laughs> Rick Hoffman is in it from of Thanksgiving. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, And he's the one who tells his. He's the dad, and he tells his daughter, and it's weird because he looks like he's like forty five, and she looks like she's like twenty nine. <laughs> so like, but he's just like, yeah, I was stuck in this time loop, and he's like, I couldn't, and I couldn't get out of it until I met your mom and stuff like that. Um. But yeah, it's like that's this weird twist where I'm just like, this is so generic. But then like it, oh, it's like the end of Basic where you're just like, this is the <laughs> Avengers now. It's just like this is revealed in like the last four minutes of the movie, and I'm just like, wait a minute, there's like this, they're like Highlanders, <laughs> they're dreidel Jewish Highlanders. Highlanders, Jewish Highlanders. <laughs> so I don't know. It's I guess it gets points for effort, but it's a, <laughs> it's a it's sweaty coming down the finish line. Um, <laughs> And then Christmas-wise, I watched a movie called Christmas Song, which is an old Hallmark movie, and I watched it because Natasha Henstridge is the female lead. Where is it streaming? It's not streaming. I DVR'd it off of Hallmark (laughs) Mysteries or whatever. It's like Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. It's like the backup Hallmark channel. Oh, shit. I also have like a Bo Bridges, like our Italian family Christmas DVR'd. I I have another one with Bonnie Somerville just because I love Bonnie Somerville. Refresh my memory. She was on NYPD Blue. She's also she was like briefly in Spider Man Two. Um, she kind of looks like backup Kirsten Dunst. Bonnie Summer. She's not even coming up on IMDb. Yeah, she's coming up in my heart. <laughs> All right, hold on. Oh, I think I know who she is. Yeah. Yeah, she was Mona on Friends. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then yeah. So Christmas song is like this is what I want out of a. Hanukkah movie. Yeah. It's basically just like 
there's these two prep schools that merge, and they both have a music program. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be redundancy. Uh-oh. So Natasha Henstridge runs one of them, and then some guy who kind of looks like Carrie Always runs the other one. And they're competing because it's like if you win this Christmas song contest, then it'll look better for like you not getting fired. This is a seven-minute movie because yeah. they're like, we're merging. Let's keep Natasha Henstridge. Yeah, Credits. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, no kidding. She looks amazing because like with all of the, I don't know if it's the key lighting. I don't know <laughs> if it's like just all of the Hallmark stuff in sure, the background. Yeah. They always have her like wearing like red dresses and stuff like that. She just looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and the thing, all right. So the plot's dumb and then the song at the end is bullshit and like <laughs> none of that works. But the thing I will say, though, is this is the Natasha Henstridge performance I've kind of always wanted in the sense that when I watch, like, the Species Collector's Blu-ray from Scream Factory and they do, like, retrospective – or not retrospective – yeah, I guess – so retrospective interviews with the cast or crew members. And they talk to her. She's so charming. Yeah. And she's so funny and just kind of, like, in an easy, like – kind of toss away line type of way yeah and i'm just like i wish she would that would have been utilized in a movie somewhere and that's what they do in this okay so like just from a being a fan of hers and like seeing her just kind of have like a light comedian like type of performance yeah this was nice in that regard okay um and then i saw the shepherd which is like the john travolta oh it's like a short disney plus short okay um dana buckler interviewed john travolta for his podcast this past week and talked about it um i didn't have any history with the story apparently it was like a book and then it was a long-running radio play um it's basically about like a pilot post-world war ii for for uh for in britain yeah who's like flying and then like his instrumentation fails and then like like Kevin Costner at the end of The Guardian, like somebody swoops in to be like, follow my wing and I'll help you land and stuff like that. And like Travolta's that Got it. seasoned pilot. Got it. Um, it's very Twilight Zone-y in a good way. Okay. Like where it's just like, oh, this is like one of those kind of like more benevolent episodes of Twilight Zone. <laughs> so I enjoyed it on those terms. Um, there's a li- It's a little Disney plusy for me where it's just sort of, I don't know. I think if they kind of just like debudgeted it a little bit and okay. made it a little bit simpler it could have been even more effective like more in like the rod serling way but this is sort of like fighting with like mandalorian production values <laughs> so like it's a, it doesn't ruin anything but like i thought it was for for 38 minutes it's it's something to watch when i'm wrapping presents and that's what i was doing why a short do you suppose instead of like i think it's just the length of the story okay unless they wanted to like maybe further adapt it and expand it but okay. it's very simple it's just sort of like a guy wants to he, he's it all lines up or he's given the opportunity to kind of like run this test flight and then he's like up there and his instrumentation fails and he's thinking about like getting back home to his girl and stuff like that and then I don't know. It's weird because, like, even at 38 minutes, it feels weirdly stretched out. Like, it feels like something that they could have done in, like, 15 minutes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's not, it's not bad, but, like, it's 
I liked it more or less just to see like Travolta, although I kind of wish he was in it more. He's yeah. only in it for like about five minutes. Well, they only had one so. day with him, so yeah. could they have gotten it to feature length if they had put the pilot in like a Hanukkah time loop? Yes. Yeah, Rick Hoffman <laughs> with his magic dreidels and uh. shit like that. Yeah, so that's that's what I've been watching. I uh, I need to catch up with on with on. I can't even talk anymore. I've watched. Do too many I movies. agree with you? I don't know if I do. What? Catch up on like 2023 movies? Yeah. yeah. See, I don't know if I agree. I'm trying to do kind you of have a, a top balance. 10. I know. I'm trying to do a balance kind of of Christmas movies, yeah. new movies I haven't seen yet, and then like rewatches over the next couple weeks. Okay. So we'll see. Okay. I don't know. But at least if I know I'm going to split it up that way, everything will be my first choice. I'm not just going to be like, I'm going to jump to Silent Night. Right. Because that's never going to happen. Right, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, speaking of 90s thriller, this is not a 90s thriller. It's from 88. Yeah. But I watched a movie. I feel like Rosalie Lewis might have recommended it on the show before mm-hmm. called Masquerade. I've heard of it. Who's in Rob it? Rob Lowe. Okay. Meg Tilly. Okay. And a fucking 1988 Kim Cattrall who... Mannequin. Is... I don't know if, again, I'm not, if you're Rob Lowe, why are you straying anywhere else if you're sleeping with a 1988 Kim Cattrall? Like, I get it. I don't, he's like looking to, and and the whole thing is that it's like for upward mobility. He's trying to marry into Meg Tilly's family. (laughs) Sure, yeah, we can can bite off a foot of Elf on a Shelf. Uh, My kids named their Elf on a Shelf Joey Snowflake, so I feel real weird about (laughs) eating this thing. Yeah. All right. Um, but Masquerade's good until like the last five minutes. Uh, there's some boat racing involved. Doug Savant is in it because at some point he was going to be a movie star. Adam went right for the head. He's going to eat the head. Oh, it's it, like. Uh, it was for John Gotti. <laughs> Fuck you, Snowflake. <laughs> I can't take the foot <laughs> off. Um, okay, there we go. <laughs> Patrick's <laughs> pulling it is me trying to chew his yeah. head. It's not very gummy for mm. a gummy uh, Joey Snowflake. Um, Masquerade is good and totally worth watching. Here's Charlie. What's Bromley. up, Charlie? Hi, Charlie. How you doing, Thank buddy? Thank you for the cups, bro. You want to yeah. say happy holidays? Happy holidays. Thank you. <laughs> Would you like any candy, Charlie? Yeah. We're eating a gummy Joey Snowflake. Oh, it's kind of Fucked up, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just Sorry that I swore in front of you, Charlie. <laughs> oh, no, he's taking my drink. Okay, uh-huh. perfect. Do you want to say hi to Judah Macabot? He's mm-hmm. the Jewish robot? Yeah, yeah I'll turn him up for you. <laughs> oh, no, he's stuck in a time loop. <laughs> This was the end. The girl turns into Judah Man. <laughs> Better twist. Mm-hmm. It was a mistake to eat this on air. Yeah, it's a little rough. <laughs> I can't chew it. Keep talking, Masquerade. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Mm. Love you. See you, Bye. Um, so Masquerade's good. I recommend it if you're on a thriller kick. Mm-hmm. Um. I saw Godzilla minus one. And? It's super good. Okay. I think it's being, for me, mm-hmm. a little overhyped. If I'm not a big Godzilla guy, 
you may not love it. Okay. Yeah. It's like a really good Godzilla movie. Yeah. Like, it's a good movie, just no matter what. It, if Godzilla wasn't the threat, if it was something else, it would still be a good movie. No. Yeah. Because the main character is worth caring about. He's like this... Um, is a kamikaze, kamikaze pilot, pilot who yeah. didn't go on his last mission, basically, because somebody was like, the war is lost. Why are you going to kill yourself? And he's like, oh, good point. Yeah. Um, so he's battling that for the entire movie. He has kind of this makeshift family that he finds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of about them and then Godzilla attacks. And it's like, how do we defeat Godzilla? How do I keep my makeshift family safe? There's a, people worth caring about and, like, it's a good story, good characters, good Godzilla stuff. I liked everything about it. Yeah. I think I just – I want to sit with it a little longer. I just saw it yesterday before I'm, like, masterpiece. You know did, what I mean? Did you see it in theaters? No, I did not. I okay. watched it at home. So gotcha. I'm sure in theaters it's better, mm. uh, just the size of it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are asking, like, well, compare it to – you know, Shin Godzilla, is it better than Shin Godzilla? And that's kind of apples and oranges because Shin Godzilla was like, what if we did something totally different with the Godzilla formula? Mm-hmm. And this movie is like, what if we just made the best possible Godzilla movie? That's good. And I think both totally work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's 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 super good. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not a big Godzilla guy, I don't know how quickly you need to rush out to theaters. Yeah, I'm always wanting to like, them more than i end up liking them okay. like i i enjoy the cheesy ones but they have to be watched in a specific way yeah. like yeah at the portage theater five <laughs> in a row today we got five godzilla movies plenty of places to park over by sears <laughs> family fun that's what we're all about we got the coloring for the kids we got them coloring contests for the kids <laughs> between the second and third movies <laughs> I missed that. Uh, I bought my uh, Crypt Keeper that didn't talk. I bought it from Toy John. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And he was just like, 100 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I Uh, see you eyeballing my Crypt Keeper over there. (laughs) Godzilla Minus One might make my top 10. Like, I told you Jay Cutler wouldn't (laughs) win with the Bears. Told you. The longer I sit with it, the more I might like it. And I still have yeah. two spots to fill out. So okay. it might just be like number eight just All by right. default because it is it's it's very good. Yeah. Um, That's not... my favorite default song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number eight by default. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm speaking... my time. <laughs> I'm wasting... speaking of Christmas movies, yeah. especially Christmas movies that we almost covered on this podcast. Okay. I watched Christmas Do-Over. <laughs> okay. Did we make a mistake by not covering it? No. Okay. Because what we went with is better. Well, it's one of the best movies of the 90s. Exactly. Yeah. So, Christmas Do-Over, speaking of Groundhog Day, Time Loops, stars Jay Moore mm. and Daphne Zuniga. What I didn't know until I pressed play was that... Daphne Zuniga's parents are played by Adrian Barbeau and Tim Thomerson. I was yeah, like, I saw that in the trailer. This movie's made for me. Yeah. Uh, if it was anybody but Jay Moore, this movie would totally be made for me. Um, Jay Moore is not. Oh, I can't <laughs> drink that. <laughs> I just uh, we, I ASMR'd what looks like the shittiest beer ever made. Um, Rebecca De Mornay smeared that all over her wall. Yeah, it looks real coffee poo. <laughs> 
Um, Christmas Eve at a New York City hotel room, Royal Suite Edition, has been opened. And has upset me. Yeah, Black like, Sludge came out of oh, the gross. <laughs> Oh, no. Black Sludge on Oh, my, my God. Notebook. It's eating through the paper. <laughs> I just bought this notebook. How <laughs> many pages are ruined? Okay, just one. This the page with the holiday show sock. It looks like... Like when Al Pacino used to talk about it, he's like, you always know it's a Pacino script when there's a coffee ring on the page. That's what my holiday song thinks. It's like, uh, all right. All right. Oh. oh. The smell, it smells like a stout. Okay. Um, I'm not a beer guy. I literally will drink like Bud Light if I order a beer. So The, the greatest joke that the devil ever pulled on all of us is that craft beer is good. Okay. Like, I agree with you. Like, if I'm going to have a beer... I want like something not too flashy, like Blue Moon sure. or like Miller Light. Right. Like right, if right. I want a beer, I want a beer. But like when they put in all these like special, yeah. especially with the holiday stuff, it's like you know the you could make them taste good, right? <laughs> all right, let's try this. Okay. Oh God, that's bad. <laughs> it. I mean, the residue that it left on the side of the cup is upsetting to me. It really looks like Never Talk to Strangers. That's they should have called this beer. It looks like a sewer lid got open, <laughs> and then it's just like poo sludge. Chud came out. Yeah. Um, Christmas do-over oh, is Jay Moore as a jingle writer, mm-hmm. divorced from Daphne Zuniga, so I already have no sympathy for him. Yeah. Uh, goes to her family's house for Christmas, forgets to buy a gift for his son. Mm-hmm. Um. He's just a real selfish asshole. He's just Jay Moore. Yeah. And um, hold on. I'm going to text Erica and ask if Charlie can bring down a water for <laughs> I have you. water. Oh, okay. I got a Dasani. All right, never mind. I saw the face. I was yeah. like, he needs to rinse that out. Yeah. Um, and then Jay Moore, you know, gets stuck in a time loop because he's a selfish asshole mm-hmm. and he keeps reliving Christmas over and over again. And dreidel? Dreidel. Uh, magic dreidel. Yeah. Um, it's he's like going full Jay Moore for okay. so much of the movie yeah. that like it's hard for him to win you over when he becomes more self aware and sympathetic. Yeah. If you're a Jay Moore guy as, as you I are, yeah. you may like the movie more than me. All right. Zuniga's so super charming. Yeah. Tim Thomerson and Adrian Barbeau are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh there's wacky oh it I mean, not to spoil anything, but it definitely does climax with Jay Moore wearing uh, a peapod costume breakdancing. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you might be. <laughs> yeah. Just based on that description. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because as I said I'm in, I really was saying I'm out in my head, <laughs> but like I was kind of yes ending. Um, I I mean, there's another one that I could talk about, but I'm not going to. Um, okay. So let's get into our holiday spotlight showcase. Yeah. Um. Holy shit. <laughs> we watched uh, The Color of Night before Christmas. That's right. So – um. Color of Night. Yeah, wow. Um, So I saw this the same, like, two days after watching Die Hard in a theater again. And the weird thing is, I think when I was watching Die Hard, I took Bruce Willis for granted. Okay. And when I was watching Color of Night, I was like, I really miss Bruce Willis. Okay. Um, Because he would be willing to lend his talents to something this weird every once what? in a while. I couldn't figure out aside from like the potential box office of an erotic thriller yeah. in 1994. Yeah. 
what about this movie attracted the talent of Bruce Willis or the talent of everyone involved in this movie with the exception of one person who I'm like, that I get. Uh, money? Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I can think of because obviously like they threw – it's not a cheap movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean like obviously I think like – Hollywood Pictures was trying to ride the coattails of Basic Instinct's success. Right. So that makes sense. Right. I think Bruce Willis sort of was in a weird spot in his career at that point and was sort of trying to maybe make like a cynical move to reestablish his box office stardom. Okay. Which in a weird way happened by not by accident, but they happened with Pulp Fiction, which was the same like two months later. Right. Um But yeah, I I did not remember, and you kind of mentioned this when we were texting about it, it's like, I always just thought of it as, like, erotic thriller, but it is, like, crazy pants, mystery, jello, sort of, and I love it from that standpoint, Yeah, and I think it's hilarious that there were... um, there's like these group therapy scenes with Leslie Ann Warren. That I do not understand. Brad Dorif. Why are these Hendrickson. people in the same group? Yeah. Like, if anything, they're just making things worse for <laughs> yes. all of each other. And Kevin J. O'Connor. I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, like, it should have ended group therapy. <laughs> like, it's. This movie should have ended therapy as a concept. It really should have. The opening of the movie is Kathleen Wilhoyt doing. My one of my favorite tropes of all time, which yeah. is the crazy lipstick. Oh, sure. When someone's crazy, we show them frantically putting on lipstick. Yeah. Uh, and then mid session with Bruce Willis throwing herself out a window, high rise window. Yeah. Yeah. And Bruce Willis witnesses it. Yeah. And can no longer see the color red. Yeah, and also, um, Rich director Richard Rush is just like, this is a tasteful movie, and I want to like establish that right at the beginning. So we're going to see her fall the entire way <laughs> yes. and land and see from under the sidewalk, which is apparently glass. <laughs> and it's just crazy. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what to say, really. I mean, like, of course, there's like the Jane March elements of it where she's got split personalities. So which, like, I think the movie is trying to hide. Yeah, do but you think that, that we're not supposed to know the identities of is, other characters? She, I mean, I think like we're supposed to know that Bonnie, she's is it Bonnie, Bonnie okay. and um, whomever Sarah. I think that's oh, another R name. Okay, Richie yeah, is. There's Richie Rose. Rose, yeah, yeah. I think Bonnie. I once Bonnie shows up, we're supposed to know that okay. she's the same person as Rose. Okay, Richie, I think is meant to be a surprise because they establish oh later that Richie's really dead and that like. My boyfriend's back has been making Jane March dress up like Blarp from Lost in Space. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) That is what Richie looks like. There's all this stuff where it's like this group's therapy session is so weird that like there's a cupboard of Pepsi and like somebody takes like a Richie takes a Pepsi out of the cupboard and just drinks it straight. Yeah. Like just warm Warm Pepsi. Pepsi. From a cupboard. Um, Tastes like never talk to strangers beer. Even Wolverine got Iceman to blow into his <laughs> bottle from cupboard soda. Cupboard That's Dr. in my Pepper. slash fiction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the only thing I want out of Deadpool 3 is callback to, uh, oh, to cupboard Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm at a loss for words for this movie. I truly um, <laughs> it's, but it's I been really it. So enjoyed like, it. Billy yeah. Ray, who's so talented. Yeah, you know him from Breach. No, you Shattered know him Glass. from Shattered Glass. Yeah. You know him from the Nicole Kidman AMC promo. Yeah. Um, did he write that? He did. I did not know. That. He is a talented screenwriter who wrote this movie, Richard Rush, whose previous movie was The Stuntman, which yeah. is kind of a great movie. Mm comes out of pseudo-retirement to make The Color of Night. Yeah. Everyone in the cast is an established character actor who mm-hmm. you're happy to see show up in a movie. Yeah. They all got on board with The Color of Night, and I can't figure it out, but it is never less than super entertaining. I'm not yeah. saying that in a disparaging way, because you could make this exact same movie cast like Mark Singer put it on Cinemax at two in the morning and we're not talking about it. Yeah. It's, it's so weird because it like almost tricks you. It like goes so far over the top that it comes back around the other end. And it's like, so not sexy that it becomes sexy again. It's not sexy. At it's, all. I think it is okay. in a weird way, like in a way that I'm ashamed of. Um, <laughs> we just ate pieces of Jane March is my point <laughs> because she is a tiny Christmas elf. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's it's so at one point strange. she's seen shining Bruce Willis's shoes, and then he <laughs> fucks her. It's very weird. Yeah, the, um, the sex scene is insane because it stops, and you're like, yeah. okay, I guess that's over. Oh, because of the dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first she goes, I want to get dressed up mid coitus, and you're like, yeah. uh, okay. But then he gets dressed up, and then they have she, dinner, and she's yeah. naked, wearing like a tie. Is that? I don't think she's wearing a okay, tie. Okay, I'm confusing it with Pretty Woman. Okay. Um, yeah. And you're like, all right, we're done. We're at dinner now. And then all of a sudden, cue the score again, and they're yeah. fucking again. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, And then there's like a scene where they're in a bathtub, and he's got like a remote control tank <laughs> that he's willing to just break. Like, did he? Did Scott Bakula have the remote control tank? Perhaps I forgot Scott Bakula's in this movie. He gets stabbed a lot. He's the he's the he, he his falls backwards through like, the easiest break door ever. The only reason I would not say this is like an American Giallo yeah. is because there aren't enough set pieces. The Bakula one is such a set piece. Yeah. There needs to be like three more of those. Okay. And there aren't. Otherwise, it would maybe be the greatest American Giallo ever made because yeah. the reveal. The whole like climax of the movie, all the stuff with Ruben. Oh my god, I'm glad you brought him up. <laughs> there is a scene where, in the establishing shot, you're like, surely they're in a club. <laughs> and then we pull back, and he's having a birthday party with like children hitting pinatas, a mariachi band, a stripper, and a police helicopter. Yeah. And all of his family and friends are like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, and they don't even comment on it, really. They're just like, he's just like, oh, I thought I was just going to come over like during a quiet time to talk to you one on one. He's just like, yeah, come over during my <laughs> my Taylor Swift level, <laughs> level budgeted birthday party. It ends on him doing like funny bits and a freeze frame, like a, yeah. like a sitcom from 1988. Like, it, yeah, you have expected to like lead into like outtakes. Yes, or like, like Richard Rush to go suit, sit, Ubu, sit, good dog. Whoop. Yeah, yeah. They loved Blades, which I love Blades too, but like this is misappropriation. It kind of made me wish Blades. I was watching um, Predator 2. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm just showing you when I pull up the Just Watch page for Color of Night, it's just <laughs> yeah. Bruce Willis laying on a naked Christmas elf named Jane March. Yeah. Not in Richie mode. The sexiest stuff in the movie is all the stuff with her as Bonnie with Leslie Ann Warren. That's pretty good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that if you're looking for a double feature movie to pair this with, yeah. May, December, then do March, December. Oh, love it. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure that in both movies, they're treating adult men like children. (laughs) (laughs) It's very weird. Aside from Bruce Willis, like, maybe wanting to show his penis, I don't know what he wanted out of this movie. Except, I guess, to be a Michael Douglas-style leading man? I guess, but the thing that I like about this movie... in terms of the Bruce Willis performance is that he's earnestly playing the part. Like he's sure. not embarrassed by this. He's, okay. I feel like he's jumped in and committed to it where, and the thing that's interesting too, is like, he's playing a somewhat like they, maybe they don't give it enough time at the beginning with him and like, what Kathleen Wilmot or Kathleen Wilhoit Wilhoit. Yeah. Um, Cause they make it sound like he's sort of a jaded, cynical, right, right, right. Uh, psychologist and like that was his failing and then he has his mentors Geppetto and like <laughs> I'm not who's like the guy that runs the zoo in Bird on a Wire possibly is I haven't seen Bird on a Wire but oh, yeah. don't let Erica hear you uh, I'm sorry Erica. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think there's enough runway at the beginning to make it seem like that he's a bad person like I think that there's he seems none. he looks he seems the way he acts especially in the first act is like he's very um uh kind of broken yeah nice person wants to help people um just kind of this wounded guy and you know he gets monster laid and like <laughs> it's it's a lot of spite he inherits a house right from which, scott bacula he yeah. also inherits scott bacula's therapy group yeah it's like a kind of a mr ripley situation <laughs> um yeah, and I never have any intention. Like, I never get any indication that he's going to give the house back at some point. Or to like, who? That is true. Who would he give it back to? Well, it's his I, now. He lives in L.A. I guess Bacula would have a will. Mm, what you think? I'm assuming he left it all to Bruce Willis. Yeah, he's just like, go nuts. He's like, that's all that was in the will. It just said, go nuts. Um, or his dog, Porthos. Yeah. Boom! Enterprise reference, everyone! Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It's like, attention, tank is not waterproof. (laughs) (laughs) He loses the house because he broke the tank during his fuck tub. People are getting shot with nail guns. Oh my gosh, so many people are getting shot with so many nail guns. Yeah, luckily there's a hammer nearby. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is in a workshop. It's a wild movie that I highly recommend. And if you really want to fucking melt your brain. Director's Cut, by the way. Director's Cut is the one that we watched. I don't remember the theatrical cut. I don't either because I think like when it came, I think when it came out on video it was just the director's okay cut, so, so I've so, only yeah. ever seen the director's We're cut never, which I, runs I, over two hours by the way yeah um go back and listen to our Friday night double features from last week watch Blue Steel mm-hmm. then Desperate Hours and then cap it off with Color of Night and you literally will not be able to see straight yeah you'll need to take like two pto days to get your equilibrium (laughs) back it really yeah because all three movies there's like overheated and then there's those three yeah i enjoyed the hell out of color night if it came out this year it would be my number one (laughs) 
It might be mine too, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. Because like the internet would lose its shit for it. It would be like, yeah. oh, a movie that's willing to be so bonkers, blah, blah, blah. And like now it's remembered as this shitty movie, but I think because it's crazy. Yeah. people haven't gone back and revisited just how uh, much it commits to its insanity. Again, it's worth seeing just for the cast because – yeah. It also would be a good double feature with Never Talk to Strangers. Okay, I need to revisit yeah, that one. Yeah, cuz Never Talk to Strangers is like 80 minutes. Oh, perfect. With, like, without credits and nice. stuff. So like, yeah, I like it's, that. It's like a great digestif. Where's my Never Talk to Strangers Blu-ray? Oh, I rented it off of Amazon, but you, you uh, did the right thing. You know the funny thing is like I got um a gift card for Amazon from my parents. And then they're just like, oh, have you used any of your gift card? And I didn't tell them that. I'm like, I rented Never Talk to Strangers. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're almost an hour into the holiday show. Is it time for the song? Let's do the song. Okay. All right. So I'm going acapella on this one? I guess. I okay. don't. I mean, I can try to follow along uh, just very quietly. Okay. We'll see. All right. If I bail, I bail. All right. Can you do like the opening bit? I can't. Like, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, no, that? cause it's okay. just the, the version that I s- found yeah. was like just, uh, oh, okay. Am I supposed to jump in when I'm ready or are you just going to keep going or what do you want to do? All right, I'll do it. Alone, listless, Kaylee Spaney in a half-full theater, two young girls, Taylor Swift, better capture their attention, the Marvel's bomb so hard, Foggy tries to understand it, tries to make Baba Girl proud. And Wonka's in the can trailer to Aquaman. There's something wrong. The Marsh King's daughter. I'll get to. Keep going. Keep going. I'm I'm not helping. I'm going to take it from the top. Okay. All right. right. This is to Pearl Jam's daughter if you haven't. Pick that up yet? All right. Alone, listless, Kaylee Spaney in a half a theater, two young girls, Taylor Swift, better capture their attention. The Marvel's bomb so hard, Foggy tries to understand it, tries to make Baba Girl proud. And Wonka's in the can trailer to Aquaman. There's something wrong. The Marsh King's daughter. I'll get to the picture flopped. So remind me. The Marsh King's daughter. I'll get to the picture flopped. So remind me. I saw Barbie. Disney's wish grosses down. We'll wait 
for Disney Plus. <laughs> Solo. Okay. Book club next chapter. I'll get to need to see the first. So remind me, Gareth Evans, creator. I need to see. Don't love the lead. So remind me, Trolls band together. I'll get to. I don't have kids, so remind <laughs> me about my father. I need to see De Niro slumming. Remind me, I saw Barbie. DC grosses down. Fast X grosses down. Expendables? No. 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 <laughs> Thank you. For, Very nice. Thank you for the guitar company. Yeah, well, sorry it didn't work out. No, it came close. It the the proper way required me tuning all the strings differently. Oh, and yeah. I haven't played in years. <laughs> I'm like, I, that's the mistake. So You know what's funny? That was better than Flora and Son's open mic scene. <laughs> With uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt on Zoom. Yeah. Still haven't seen it. Punk, I'll get to a little punk Irish DJ kid, and he's just like, "We're on top of the world, ma!" And she's just like, "I want to sing about blowjobs." And I'm just like, "What is this movie?" Uh, all right, here's a gift. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. All right. I don't remember what it is. It's a DVD of something. Yeah, it is. Stepmom. <laughs> yeah. Funny because thing is, I, I almost <laughs> bought this yesterday, and I did not. Well, you said on reserve seating that you had never seen it, and it's a Columbus joint. And it's new. And a it's new <laughs> copy of Stepmom. I've never bought a movie from Amazon. It's from Amazon. Yeah. I've never bought a movie from Amazon packaged this way. Oh, it's interesting you should say that, because I got you something. Oh, interesting. I hope it's a DVD of Stepmom. Chris Columbus is one of Adam Scott. Oh, it's, it is packaged the same way, ready to ship. <laughs> it's a DVD of Stanley and Iris, everybody. A movie yes. I said I would see. <laughs> we pay attention to each other, and that's why our friendship works. Yes. Thank you. It's packaged the exact same weird way. Teach me read. <laughs> then we do it. Yeah. Um, this is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Wow, a joy to watch, says Screen International. <laughs> nice. All right. Stanley and Iris. All right, are we ready for the main attraction? Uh, Yeah, or are we just going to dolly out gifts throughout? Yeah, I figure. Okay, yeah. that sounds yeah. good. Yeah, we are ready for the main attraction. Though. So Jeremy Renner is coming in. <laughs> Did you see the thing on Google where apparently he was the most Googled actor of 2023? And I was like, how? Why? Unless it was the snowplow thing. But I, I would thought assume that was so. Last year. Like, is Jeremy Renner okay on Google? I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but I just was like, he should have his Eras tour then if he's that big. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Adam, this was your idea. I will let you yeah. introduce the main event. So the main event, so we've done Travolta Cage for the past few years, but they're going to be represented pretty well on the Top Ten show. Yeah, that's true. So wow. um, I felt like maybe this year something new so we felt like we needed a little Christmas. So we're covering a half dozen Dwight H. Little movies. <laughs> and this was one of the most fun assignments. Hell yes. Because all of these movies are super short, easy to watch, <laughs> uh, fun, yeah. entertaining. Yeah. 
don't require a lot from you. Yeah. It's good stuff. Dwight Little don't miss often. No, no, he does not. I haven't seen everything he's done. Like, he did a Chaz Palminteri TV movie that I haven't seen. Okay. Um, and I feel like there's another very early one that's super hard to find. I caught two of his, like, pre-Halloween 4s, but he's got three okay. before Halloween 4, and there's one of them that I couldn't find. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, leading up to the interview, I had just revisited pretty much every DHL joint, uh, and then it was a pleasure to re-watch most of them, because I like all these movies so much. Yeah, yeah, this was fun. Did, what movie did you start with? Um... I think Halloween 4. Okay. Yeah. There were no critics quotes for the newspaper ads oh. for Halloween 4 or Phantom of the Opera. That's bullshit. There were for the other ones, but okay. apparently critics didn't even bother back then with <laughs> no. horror. Now yeah, it's just not. like, oh my God, <laughs> from What's Up Live. <laughs> What's Up Live loved the boogeyman. Yeah. They're just like, king is queen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with Halloween 4. Okay. We'll go in uh, chronological order. Okay. I like this All plan. Right. Makes so, it easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was weird watching it in December. Yeah. Um, but not bad. <laughs> I love this movie. It's my favorite of the Halloween movies. Mine too. I understand that it's probably not objectively the best, but I don't agree. Uh, I, I, I honestly, I've tried to make a case that like, if it was shot in two, three, five instead of flat, and if yeah. it had a better mask, mm-hmm. people would call it the best sequel at least. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, they don't, I think they call it like the third best sequel after two and three. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't look as good and because the mask is admittedly terrible, which I didn't ask him about when I interviewed him, and I probably should have. Just yeah. like, hey, what happened with the mask? But I'm sure he gets asked all the time and would have been annoyed. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely took that note as I, yeah, I don't know what they're doing with that. <laughs> it's that is real bad. bad. That yeah. is a bad mask. Yeah. Um, but the thing that is sort of, for me, the secret sauce of Halloween 4 is that the characters in it are so likable that 100%. the Michael Myers of it all is just like a bonus. Right. Like I don't like if he was not in it and it was just about like Sasha Jensen cheating on yeah. Ellie Cornell and it was sort of like this Halloween set romantic teen movie, it would be worth watching and good just for that. Completely agree. I love the relationship between Rachel and Jamie. Yep. I love Rachel being worried about, like, is the boy going to like me? Um, And he gets, you know, distracted by someone, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, sexier. Yep. uh, Kathleen Kinmont. Um, And she's genuinely hurt. And Sasha Jensen, Sasha Jensen, even though he hurts Rachel, which is like an inexcusable offense, he's not like a villain. No, he's just a guy that made a bad decision. Right. Because then yeah. he still tries to like save the day when he's going up against Michael Myers. Like there are no, except for Michael Myers, there are no like cartoon villains in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it takes the feelings of all the characters very seriously, which I appreciate. Yeah. Sasha Jensen <laughs> is like the guy who nods in agreement. When Chris Rock says in a stand-up routine, a man is only as faithful as his options. Mm, interesting. And he should have known that he had 
a girl who looks like Elizabeth Shue. Yes. What are you, what are you doing? Yes. What are you doing? No, I don't understand yeah. it. Again, it goes back to Rob Lowe uh, yeah. trying to upgrade from Kim Cattrall. Yeah. And like you said, you know, the whole double scoops pairing of uh, Daniel <laughs> Harris and Ellie Cornell is adorable. Um, I think, and I don't say this in a pet, catty way. I think this is my favorite Danielle Harris performance. I could see that. Like, I think she's so unusually good yeah. as a child actor yeah. in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. She's just kind of like, I don't know if it's just like a wearing your emotions on your sleeve thing where it's like easier for her to activate, like kind of, you know, if the kids are bullying her, like it's something that's probably, you know, a kid can tap into really easily because they're used to stuff like that. But I don't know, whatever it is, it like really, really works. And um, it kind of makes, I don't know how I feel completely about the ending, like with the final shot. I think that it it works, um, but the fact that they like kind of reversed it yeah. right away in yeah, five yeah. sort of like takes away its power a bit. For sure. But like seeing the disparity between Jamie in the first, you know, <laughs> hour hour 15 minutes of the movie compared to like where they leave her with it's like a really kind of twisted dark ending that i give them credit for trying it's definitely my favorite of her child performances i don't know what my favorite like adult daniel harris performance would be mm-hmm. but it's also because she has a really good halloween too oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you're right yeah. nice call um she has a really good part to play like yeah last boy scout the movie we're going to talk about in a couple minutes. Mm. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Roseanne. Yeah, she's good in all that stuff as like child actor, but she's not really given much to do. Yep. Whereas in this movie, she is, and mm. she nails it. She's yeah. so good. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, this isn't just alone like a Halloween four issue, but I also I heard a quote not too long ago. It was Tom Cruise said something to Christopher McQuarrie at one point where he said, if your supporting characters hate your lead character, it'll just make the audience hate your supporting characters because they want to root for the lead character. Okay. Um, for some reason, this doesn't apply to Dr. Loomis. <laughs> and I wonder if they over, like, are I don't know how the as an audience member I'm supposed to feel about Loomis really ever mm-hmm. because everybody thinks that he's just this quack and like sort of a nutcase. Right. Um so un- unless I'm supposed to just kind of like join in on that sentiment, um I don't know, I never get the sense of like that he's really helping things all that much. Like he's kind of just like this like Mr. Magoo type that just like walks <laughs> through the movie, like just making things worse. <laughs> oh, I tried to find Michael Myers, but I can't see. Uh, I don't do a Mr. Magoo. I, I can't I do a anyone. Jim Backus. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's always been one of my least favorite parts of the whole Halloween series. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a, a super into Loomis. Yeah. I guess we're supposed to be kind of on his side because we know he's right. Right. Um, And I like some of the stuff with him early on where he, you know, the zoom in Dahlia when he sees Michael in the gas station. And yeah. Like, all that shit is cool. But he's like, 
And I like that they have him burned in bad burn makeup. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, bringing him back makes sense in terms of like this was the assignment. You know, mm-hmm. bring back Michael Myers, bring back Loomis, get this series back to basics. Yeah. And they do that. Um, and in fact, <clears throat> there's a lot in the in Halloween four that kind of like <laughs> Adam's still drinking the. Up all night on a Chicago balcony, <laughs> whatever the fuck it's called. Um, I think this is what Kathleen Wilmot drank before she jumped out the window. <laughs> she put on the crazy lipstick, mm-hmm. drank the pretentious beer, and it then ruins water. <laughs> um, so we get the whole transference of evil thing where, you know, the Michael touches Jamie and then she becomes evil at the end. And yeah. I, I, I like it as a twist. I like it as a concept. I don't like it as much in terms of like, that's not what I want for Jamie. You know, I don't want her to kill her mom and yeah. become a, a serial killer. And she doesn't by the next movie. Yeah. Um, Isn't it? They basically are like, oh, she had kind of a spell. Yeah, it's and then, it's yeah, whatever. I'm not a pretty sh- pebble candy cane. Sure. Yeah. All right. I don't love Halloween five. Um, I was actually really happy. I don't know if you ever listened to screen drafts. They drafted all the Halloween movies. Okay. And four ended up possibly in the top three. And I was really happy about that because that's, that's awesome. where four belongs. They didn't talk about how awesome Dwight H. Little is, but. They did talk about the movie being really good. So we get the transference of evil, which is what Halloween ends. David Gordon Green's movie is like almost entirely about. Mm-hmm. We get the ma- um, <clears throat> the crazy. Ma- my throat has never recovered from when I was sick that one time and yeah. tried to record that show with Anthony King. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the mob mentality where oh, the, these are good. Nice. Where the crazy mob goes after Michael Myers, which is evil dies tonight from mm-hmm. Halloween kills. Like mm-hmm. David Gordon Green was just remaking ideas already introduced by Alan McElroy in Halloween four. This is true. I do like Halloween ends. No, I do too. Yeah. I'm not saying those are bad movies. Halloween kills kind of a bad movie, but I can watch it. It's super watchable to me. How they kill Oswald Cobblepot in Halloween kills. What? That dude who they think is Michael Myers. Oh, geez, yeah. the <laughs> he's totally an he Oswald like Cobble Cobblepop. Um, he's totally an Oswald I Cobblepop. I like that. I always have this thing where if a dude in a movie that I saw previous is a dickhead, but he's like nice in the new movie, it feels like a big win. Okay. And I have that with Henry Hill's dad in this movie, where I'm just like, yes, he's on our side this time? All right. Have you watched the trailer that's just him talking to the camera? For Halloween 4? Yeah. No. It's like, I'm coming for you, Michael, and this time I'm going to get you. Maybe it's for Halloween 5, but I don't remember if he comes back in Halloween That sounds like Lindsay Krause dialogue. (laughs) You're under arrest, sugar. (laughs) Everyone watched Desperate Hour. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there is a trailer, and I... I don't think it's maybe it's for Halloween five, but I can't remember if he even comes back in Halloween five. I think but there is a hundred percent a trailer of him just like sitting in a chair talking to the camera, like threatening Michael Myers. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna find it. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the Face Off trailer where he's just like, "I've tracked Michael Myers all night, and I soon I will him. become him." <laughs> yeah, I like. Um, that Sasha Jensen takes pride in his store because he's like, yeah, we got the best Halloween costumes in town. <laughs> and for some reason, just a little touch like that, I'm just like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is his blockbuster. 
Um, I'm trying to remember the name of that actor. Henry Hill's dad. Yeah. That's his name. Uh, is it Bo Starr? Is that, that his name? That sounds right. Okay. Yeah, because he, he, he's probably Mike Starr's brother. <laughs> Halloween Bo Starr trailer. I'm telling you it's a thing. And it's not showing up on YouTube, so forget it. The Bo Star trailer. <laughs> I'll <true>. get to. <laughs> I like that you wrote a whole song about movies you haven't seen, but maybe will. Yeah. <laughs> I think of those, the most likely is for me to watch Marsh King's Daughter at some point. <laughs> is that what kicked off the whole song? Well, I tried out a couple of songs. That seems the way in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Once I had that, it was like, it was locking key. this open. <laughs> You just pull it a little bit from the middle. Um, I I had one for break stuff by Limp Biscuit, but it was I'm too many words <laughs> because I would have been like, uh, and it was about like top ten movies, and I'm like, give me something to rank about your fucking film. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that was the best part. The rest okay. of it didn't work. So once I had the Marsh King's daughter, like that was. <laughs> That was all I needed. But then when I wrote the whole thing, I was just like, oh, this has nothing to do with the holidays. But then I was just like, I'm too far yeah, into right. it. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't need to have anything to do with the holidays. Come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably watched Halloween 4 too many times in the last few years. Yeah. I need a break from it. Okay. Because on this that. viewing, I was like, and maybe it's because it's December. Or maybe it's because I just revisited it. Mm. Uh, but I definitely was like, oh, am I getting everything that I can out of this movie? And I want to take a break from it. Yeah. This was like the fifth of the littles that I watched okay. and at that point I think in the past like 10 days I've watched something like 23 or 24 movies and God I'm just damn. like I just can't yeah like I would I'm I'm with you like I just not that I need a break from Halloween 4 but I just need a break from movies right. in general well you said last night we did a screening of Batman Returns last night mm-hmm. <clears throat> and before the movie Adam said like this might have to be my last movie for a while yeah yeah, after, but what a movie to go out on! Of course, yeah. There were a couple of times where, like, I walked around in the lobby and I was just like, "Yes." <laughs> like I was like eavesdropping on like the concession stand workers' yeah. conversation. I'm just like, "Yeah, just have a conversation about anything that's not cinematic." <laughs> oh, but they were talking about um, when I went out to the bathroom. One of the times mm-hmm. I heard one of the concession workers talking about Silent Night. He's like, "It's directed by the guy that made John Wick," and I. Almost had to come out mid-pee and be like, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but I didn't. I came out mid-poo. <laughs> <laughs> to recommend Never Talk to Strangers. Yeah. And then, yeah, and I just wrote on the wall and it just said like, <laughs> I just said. I rented this on Amazon. Yeah. I, you rented this. <laughs> it said just, it, it just said directed by Chad Stahl. And then they're just like, oh, you must have ran out of poo. <laughs> Everyone, when you rent something on Amazon uh, and then click away and come back to it, it'll say, you rented this, just as a weird threatening reminder. You rented this. (laughs) So that's what it's going to be. It's going to be written in poo. Totally. You rented this. Totally. All right. I finally got my candy cane open. It took all Um, of Halloween 4. Anything anything else for Halloween 4? No, I love it. Um, For the longest time, I thought it was DHL's first movie. Yeah. It's, like it's a not. Ty he has West like, House of the Devil yeah, scenario. right. He has three yeah. movies before this, but this was kind of his breakthrough movie. This was the movie that opened up the doors of Hollywood to mm-hmm. him. Um, I think it's so well directed, 
but I always give so much credit to Dwight Little and I need to give more credit to Alan McElroy who like wrote the screenplay in a crazy short amount of time because there was a writer's strike looming and he like cranked this out and he wrote really good characters. Yeah. He wrote a script that like mostly makes sense. Yeah. In terms of like A leads to B leads to C, there are of course leaps in logic uh, because it's a Halloween movie. But the motivations um, all make sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, I just like that like Sasha Jensen, previously kind of a scumbag mm-hmm. because he cheated on Ellie Cornell, like does the right thing when the time comes. Right. And you know, I like that it's a character, uh, a movie with characters that we like rooting for. He got a good lick in on Michael. <laughs> yeah, he did before he got his head crushed. Well, yeah. You know, that's all we can ask for as humans. Michael Myers saw those eyebrows and he was like, I must touch them. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, give me those Aerosmith tickets. <laughs> um, this isn't logical. <laughs> all right. Before we get to our next movie. Yeah. I have another present for you. Oh, okay. I got one for you too. Okay. But I don't remember what it is. Oh yeah, I do. Okay. Here you go. Oh, a cassette. <laughs> Of the Hook soundtrack yeah. on cassette. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It's got that song by that little girl. She's like, when you're alone, <laughs> you're not alone. Is it the John Williams score for the most part? Or I is it so. like songs? I think it's I the score. I don't think there were songs really on oh, that. okay. Farewell, Neverland. Yeah, this has to be just John Williams. Yeah. Bullshit. Well, thank you. Do you have a tape machine? I don't. But Even better. Yeah, maybe I'll find one at mm-hmm. Half Price Books at yeah. some point. <laughs> a Blu-ray of Getting Even with Dad. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right. A terrific comedy for the whole family, says Bob Healy of the Satellite News Network. That guy knows what's up. He's broadcasting it all over the world. <laughs> a making of featurette, music montage featurette, original theatrical trailer, and home video TV It's got trailer. extras. Yeah. Shockingly good cast for this movie. <laughs> really? Got Culkin, Danson, okay. Glenn Hetty. All right. Saul Rubinick. Hector All right. Elizondo. All right. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is pretty good. I just admit, I haven't seen this the whole way through, but I just imagine Hector Elizondo at the end of being like, so I understand you're trying to get even with your dad? <laughs> does Culkin have that haircut in the movie? Yeah. He does. Okay. Yeah. He's supposed to look a little like streetwise. Rough around the edges? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, did you hear the thing that Julia Roberts said about Richard Gere and Pretty Woman no. this past weekend? No. Somebody must have asked her, like, where she sees those characters now. Okay. And she said that Edward died happily in his sleep and that Vivian runs the business. <laughs> wow. And I was just like, what? Cool that she killed off the other yeah. character yeah. without asking. It's like Billy Irish bury a friend. <laughs> I'm like, good lord. Um, for the record, I bought two of those. Why? <laughs> for you? hers, yeah. Nice. I got one for me, too. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. All right. Um, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera, the movie that Dwight Little himself said, I think it's my best movie. Oh. Except for Last Rampage. He said Last Rampage is actually his best movie. Okay. But if not for that, Phantom of the Opera would be his best. I disagree. But. I probably do too, but I do think it's underrated. I think it's underrated, and it's super atmospheric. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's kind of doing Bram Stoker's Dracula at times, three years before Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. It's so um, stylish and just 
weirdly I don't know. I mean like I think I'm I'm not saying something that's that hasn't been said before, but like it definitely kind of was like sort of a misfit toy in the sense that it didn't appeal to <clears throat> Freddy fans right. and it didn't appeal to Android Weber fans. Right. But that almost kind of is what makes it special. Is now, that it sort yeah. of like has that weird idiosyncrasy yeah. to it. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I it was funny because this time um coming on the heels of Scary Movie Month, like where I just watched I Madman again. Mm-hmm. I was just like, he looks like I Madman. He does. Yeah. He does for sure. Yeah. A really good Robert England performance. Mm-hmm. You know, he's clearly having a blast he's super committed as always as always mm-hmm. and you know he's just like well i read gaston larue's original novel and i mm-hmm. you got jill sholin holy shit i love jill sholin of course yeah. she's great you probably when was the last time you saw this movie or had you ever seen it no i'd seen it before um i don't know within five years oh okay yeah. so I, you weren't surprised by the molly shannon sighting no i i was surprised the first time i saw it <laughs> me too but, yeah. i saw it in 89 i like rented this with a friend no yeah. and we weren't crazy about it because again it was that thing where it was mm-hmm. like we wanted a freddy movie and not this classy shit mm-hmm. um and so molly shannon meant nothing to me in 89 but then when i revisited yeah. it, pro- it probably when the scream factory blu-ray came out or maybe i bought the dvd i mm-hmm. think actually years before that and i was like holy shit molly shannon's in this she doesn't do mary Catherine gallagher at all i know bill nye yeah yeah, yeah it's um, uh it's good it's um which call it? another movie it reminded me of is sweeney todd i could see that like i feel like if this came out in 2007 people would get it a lot more definitely no yeah. it's 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 Ahead of its time in the way that it mixes up tones and is willing to, like, be classy but also gory. Mm. Um, I do think it's a movie that's kind of ripe for rediscovery. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be rediscovered. It's weird because we're in this Twitter bubble wherein I have spent years beating the drum for Dwight Little. Mm Mm-hmm. To the point where now some of the people that like we talk to on Twitter will also beat the drum for Dwight Little, right? Yeah. And 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 have always been fans of Dwight Little. Um, outside of that, I don't think he gets a lot of attention or respect. And I think he should because I think if you watched these six movies, not only would you see six movies that are incredibly well directed. Right. But are also like very different from one another. And he always, like, serves the material. And I think for Phantom of the Opera, obviously he's kind of pigeonholed as a horror guy at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he makes Halloween 4, and they're like, well, what can you do next? Do horror for us again. Do Phantom of the Opera. Make, you know, Robert England, the horror icon, into a new horror icon, which didn't end up happening. But I just think if people gave this movie the chance that it deserves, they would discover that it's something genuinely interesting and kind of special yeah i i think um for me the second half of it doesn't play as well as the first Mm -hmm. but i do like the ending like that sort of epilogue thing i like kind of just what they're doing with it and then sort of you know kind of the mystery element of it towards the end and like what was kind of a dream and was real and everything like that so i think it's cool um I, I I have a few kind of weird 
thoughts about the movie. All right. Such as Molly Shannon has a Nia Vardalis Greek wedding vibe in this. <laughs> Is that good or bad? Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wrote that England's O-Face when he kills the stagehand scares me. <laughs> it's like he goes a little too hard on it. He like looks sort of like sloth and goonies for a second. Interesting. Yeah, in a way that scares me because I'm always convinced that sloth is like, you know, hey, you guys, but then he's really killing people. <laughs> sloth is my least favorite part of Goonies. You know what my least favorite part of Goonies is? Which part? The entire movie. <laughs> um, Careful. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm going into 2024 living my truth. <laughs> um, let's see. I I mean, the Kevin Yeager makeup effects are yeah, amazing. really good. Yeah, this is the same year that he uh, had Crypt Keeper for the first time. Hey, now. It's a banner year. Wow. Yeah. Poor Jill Sholin. <laughs> Poor oh, Brad Pitt <laughs> getting cut by Dwight H. Little, which he reveals in his book, everyone. No, what? That Dwight Little was fucking Jill Sholin at this point. I and, did not know that. Oh, I thought I told you on a previous podcast. You may have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was dating, not engaged, I think, to Brad Pitt. Cutting class? Because they had made cutting class together, and they were a couple, but she was having an affair with Dwight Little on this movie. I didn't know that. Brad Pitt getting cucked by DHL. That's awesome. I love it. I feel like, so we could get DHL back in the conversation, Brad Pitt should be in a movie of his. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Natty Knox 2, starring Brad Pitt. <laughs> Natty Knox colon the cuck. <laughs> Natty cucks. <laughs> the cuck colon Natty Knox. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, These totally taste like Fruity Pebbles, by the way. They do. They're yeah. so good. Pretty good. Um, so this was a 21st Century Film Corporation movie. Which was like the follow-up to Canon, right? Yeah. yeah. And then apparently uh, Menahem Golan... Threw so much money into the marketing of this movie, and then when it didn't do well, it it dried up his basically the funds that he had to distribute anything else, and that was sort of the end of the road. Womp womp. This movie does look like they spent money on it, though. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. F. Mary Kill. Popcorn. Mm -hmm. Phantom of the Opera. The Stepfather. Well. Because of my love for DHL, mm-hmm. I'm going to marry Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Popcorn's super fun, but I'm going to have to kill it and uh, F the Stepfather because it's super good. Okay. How about you? Sorry. I'm going to kill Phantom of the Opera. God damn. But that's just because I love the other two. Understandable. Um, I will. You got to marry the Stepfather. Yeah, I'll marry the Stepfather yeah. F Popcorn. Yeah. Which, you know, make you work. Oh, right. <laughs> New York and Diner. <laughs> Second reference in 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys got to come to the movies with me and Adam. Cause... It's fun. Go to Smash Cut. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anything else about popcorn? Or popcorn. <laughs> anything else about Phantom of the Opera? Yeah. Um, popcorn. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's good. It is good. It's really good. I like it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next would be 1990s Marked for Death. I don't know why I put, like, half of the candy cane in my <laughs> mouth. It was such a bad idea. Featuring the Seagal song that you Shazammed. Yeah, hold on. I got to give you another present before oh, we get Oh, okay. Into, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, I got before, one for you. Before we get into Marked for Death. Okay. All right. Womp, womp. <laughs> 
the office trivia game. Yeah. Nice. Hot off the shelf at Walgreens. <laughs> Are you a true dunderhead? Yeah. I will probably know too many of these, and yeah. then I'll be mad at the ones that I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Ready to roll fast-paced games. There you go. Ooh, bags. Bags for Adam. This feels like a CD. It's not a CD. Oh, maybe it is. If it is, I gave you the wrong thing. <laughs> that was supposed to be the closer. Oh, my God. Here, take it back. No. He got me an album that was featured during a previous holiday show. <laughs> yeah. Have yourself a scary little Christmas. <laughs> Uh, Tales from the Crypt Christmas album featuring such songs as Intro to Album, Deck the Halls with Parts of Charlie, (laughs) Juggle Bills, We Wish You'd Bury the Missus, Mo Mo Title Bomb, A Christmas Card for the Crypt Keeper, Christmas Rap, Intro to Crypt Keeper's Family Christmas, Crypt Keeper's Family Christmas, Twas the Fright Before Christmas, 12 Days of Christmas. Intro to Revenge of the Crypt Keeper, Revenge of the Crypt Keeper, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and Should Old Cadavers Be Forgotten. <laughs> this is amazing. I am going to listen to this through the new year. I hope so. I am not stopping on December 25th. Sorry, oh, holiday light. <laughs> it's gotten holiday heavy now. I really searched for, what I searched for was the Crypt Keeper pinball thing. Oh, okay. But I couldn't find it. Like You mean the like the artwork? Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. That would have cost you a lot. That was yeah. I couldn't find it yeah. at a price that I yeah. could justify. Yeah, those so. are usually like a hundred bucks. This was more. Okay. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. I saw like you could buy one where it's <clears> just the artwork and then there's like ones where you, it comes with like a light box okay. and stuff, but it's all like over a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, awesome. All right. Thank you for the office game. Of course. Um, okay, so now we're into the territory where there are critics' quotes oh, for, for the movies. So while I look for that, maybe okay. I can bring up Jim Crow by... <laughs> Seagal. By Seagal. It's loading. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a movie about blood clots. Yeah, they say that quite a bit. Oh, do they ever. (laughs) This is like the theme of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's a real Punani jam. I never knew he was saying Jim Crow. He's not singing it. I don't know what he's doing on this one. No, I know. It's Jimmy Cliff, right? Yeah. Because he's in the movie, but I never knew Jimmy Cliff was saying Jim Crow. Yeah. Okay. All right, so... Massive cool. Forward Jamaica. (laughs) Love this movie. It's so good. (laughs) All right. I've owned this movie on a lot of formats because I definitely had a previously viewed VHS from Video Plus Emporium. Mm -hmm. Never had a Laserdisc, but then DVD, Blu-ray. I'll keep that in mind for next year. (laughs) No. All right, so marked for death. Um, This was just kind of like the advertising tagline. It wasn't a critic's quote. But I do want to see if you agree or do not agree with this. <clears throat> Steven Seagal, nobody does it better. <laughs> I mean, in 1990? He was on a run. Yeah. He was on a heater until, like, through Under Siege. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then four, three and a half stars from Steve Jones at USA Today. With Seagal, you're guaranteed a breakneck ride. He's bad news for the bad guys. A maestro of mayhem. The finale is one of the top film fights in years. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. 
because this definitely has a a top five bad guy death. Yeah, like you, you. There's two main bad guys, and you think after the first one, you're like, that was abrupt, but pretty awesome. Yeah. And then you get a whole new <laughs> bad guy death that makes the the first one look like kitty games. In the it's park. unreal. Yeah. So the movie bravely opens with Steven Seagal running, <laughs> which if I remembered this movie better, I would have asked you to ask Dwight H. Little about. Oh, yeah. With like, but yeah, like there's all these like kind of super cuts that you can find on YouTube of like Seagal running in movies. <laughs> And, um, yeah, he definitely just, like, is sort of flailing his arms as he goes, <laughs> which is hilarious because he's such a big, gangly man. Right. Um, a return appearance by Daniel Harris. Yep. Part of the DHL stock company. One of the first two collaborations he had with uh, Martha, Ma- Martin Morehouse from Tales from the Hood's Tom Wright. Oh, yeah. Um, Shoot, I forgot about that guy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of rooster death. <laughs> Um, it's probably one of the best depictions of the late eighties, early nineties Jamaican gang problem we had in Chicago. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, just kidding. It's there not, wasn't it's not one. quite predator two levels of racist, but it's, it's up getting there. there. Yeah. yeah you it's know, we there. have to address the fact that like, yeah, the politics haven't dated well. I'm glad you brought up Predator 2 because I did look at the IMDb trivia and it did say Seagal made several crank calls to Predator 2 director Stephen Hopkins bragging that Marked for Death made more money than Predator 2. (laughs) And if that was on a CD, I would listen to it. (laughs) Do you really think Stephen Hopkins didn't know that it was Steven Seagal? I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, I just think it would be so funny just to like... Marked for Death made more money than Predator 2. Like, I know this is you, Stephen. (laughs) And I wouldn't fuck with Stephen Hopkins after that story he told about decking Peter Green. Yeah, no. Um, This was also rumored to be, it's either this movie or Out for Justice where Steven Seagal was like being braggadocious to the point on set where I think it was like Gene LaBelle or like another stunt person put him in a headlock and he shit his pants and passed out. I've heard that story about him shitting his pants. Yeah. I love that story. It's such a good story. Hopkins would have made him shit his pants, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. decked him until he fucking never talked to strangers. Yeah. All right. So since this is placed in Chicago, Screwface. Yeah. Cubs or White Sox? Right? <laughs> He's in White Sox. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. He's just like, good guys wear black <laughs> blood clot. <laughs> Massive cool forward Jamaica. Yeah. Um, one thing I do... Us doing the accents probably just as racist as anything in Marked for Death, so yeah. we apologize. We'll stop. Yeah. Um, one it's thing... hard to stop, though, because yeah, <laughs> it's fun. That's okay. I'm going to do a Carlito Brigante accent <laughs> later, so... Yes! Uh, the, uh, one thing I will give Seagal movies credit for over other action heroes yeah. of the time, Yeah, even though I like some of their them as performers more and i like some of the movies more yeah um i think seagal usually had the best some of the best villains and some of the most intimidating villains like they're not cartoony villains um one thing i found interesting in this movie was there's like especially in a in the jewelry store scene which is amazing which is amazing um it's definitely 
Asian men with their faces painted in dreadlocks <laughs> in a couple of scenes. I don't think I've ever noticed that. <laughs> yeah. And now I will not be able to see anything else. Yeah. So it was, but I, I will say, I mean, like this feels like a legitimate threat where you're just like, these guys need to be yeah, stopped. Yeah. Like they're the only end is to end them and everything. And I feel like when you watch a Schwarzenegger movie or a Stallone movie or a Van Damme movie, in most cases, um, you don't get that level of threat right. from the villains. And I think that kind of adds something to this movie. I think the only improvement on the marked for death villains mm-hmm. is um, out for justice. I think. Yeah. I mean, Forsyth like yeah, in out for justice. So insane. Yeah. And I really like the villains in um, under siege, but they're more like, they're comical. kind of traditional yeah. action movie villains. Yeah. And they're great. Uh, but even like the Glimmer Man, I'm just like, this guy's off his hinges. Or like, <laughs> you know who's in the Glimmer fire Man? Fire down below. Like, I'm just like, these guys need to be stopped too. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's in the Glimmer Man is Rob Mailhouse, drummer for Dogstar. I did not know that. Who's yeah. he play? I don't remember. I okay. just know he's in. The- he's also in Speed. He's the guy who like harasses the other guy about pushing the button on the elevator. Oh, okay. That's right. Rob Mailhouse. He's the drummer for Keanu's band. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that guy um, gets beat up by Seagal in okay. the restaurant That's, in the Glimmer Man. I remember him getting beat up, but I couldn't remember who he yeah. was. Um, the Glimmer Man also made me want, and I know this is a bad idea, but it made me want to rewatch Low Down Dirty Shame. I haven't seen it since VHS. Divoff's the heavy. Oh my gosh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I need to watch it. Doug and I still quote it. Uh, because It's just Jada Pinkett running away at one point yelling, I'm on the beach. And Doug and I still sometimes will go, I'm on the beach. <laughs> and we know that we're referencing a lowdown, dirty shame. So what you're saying is I should have bought you Jada Pinkett's <laughs> autobiography as one of your presents. Red Table Diaries or whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. Does she have an autobiography? I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah she does. Um, I She's like on the cover looking like one of the fucking Borg. <laughs> And I'm not saying that as an alopecia joke. I'm saying no, that because she's fucking evil. <laughs> yes, she's... Like, like, if you read her book, yeah. like, I feel like you'll f- somehow become even more emasculated. Than... <laughs> what do you mean, even more? Yeah. Yeah, it's not possible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... Another thing that's cool about that jewelry store shootout in Marked for Death is there's this part where Seagal is shooting a gun, runs out of ammo doesn't like pull out another clip he just throws the gun away and pulls another gun out yeah and i'm just like yeah badass you need to have backups when you fight the jamaican chicago gangs dhl when i talked to him was talking about how with all of his movies he was kind of trying to go for a vibe of a an, uh, a comparable movie from the 70s okay did he do that uh did he mention what the the proxies were in he all cases. did not in all cases okay he did for this one okay french connection which like is a bold statement to say yeah. like i'm gonna do the french connection like okay. with steven seagal he was originally supposed to do hard for hard to kill and okay. then at the last minute the studio kind of got cold feet and went with somebody else so but seagal remembered him and wanted to work with him for marked for death yeah um it's a bold statement. This movie is not the French connection. And yet when you hear it, you're like, well, but there's a vibe that I can see that he's capturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, cause there's definitely like sort of like a whole big syndicate type of thing. Right. Right. I, yeah. I mean like Seagal is more, um, he's not Popeye Doyle, no. I guess is no. what I'm trying to get at. But <laughs> no, yeah. he's not. Yeah. Uh, but he's good in yeah. this movie. I think I would put yeah, this. I think he's good. Probably in my top three Seagals. Okay. I wouldn't 
put there. Okay. I, I'm pretty locked in on my top three. Which though. are Under Siege. Under Siege is one. Out for Justice is two. Okay. And then Fire Down Below is Oh, that's three, right. I forgot you I'm love Fire Down Below. For yeah. Fire Down Below. Um, but I do like, uh, I think up to this point, this is my favorite Seagal because I prefer it to uh, Hard to Hard Kill, to kill and, uh, and Above the Law. Above the Law, yeah. Yeah. Nico. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, we get a supporting performance from Keith David. Yep. Who's always, always a value add. Exactly. Just Se- dependable as like the old Vietnam buddy. Seagal walks into a <clears throat> into a reggae club wearing Michael Douglas's V-neck from Basic Instinct. <laughs> I don't know what is with guys with club V-necks, but... I think Chris Sarandon started that shit in Fright Night. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Um, I always find it funny when they go to... So the whole thing was, like, if you kill Screwface, that's the only way that you can kind of, like, get the gang to back down. Right, right, right. Because you seem like a more more powerful being than Screwface, who they believe is sort of like this otherworldly guy. Um, So the funny thing is they kill Screwface 1 in Jamaica... Cut off his head as proof of life. Right. Explain to me the process of flying back to Chicago with, <laughs> with, the, the, head? with the head. Do you check it or do you yeah, use that's it as thing. your carry-on? Carry-on. That's check a hard it. one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you check it and they find a head, it yeah. feel, it's like you're hiding something. Yeah. Where at least if you like bring it on as a carry-on, then you can explain and you can show the badge. But even if you have the badge, like, is that enough? Well, and some airlines now allow you a carry-on and a personal item. So I guess you could call it your personal item. <laughs> That's true. Do they smell after a while? Like, do you Heads? Have to, yeah. Like, would you have to put in like kind of like an air freshener in a bag? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Because I know the thing with dreadlocks is you can't, like, wash them that often. Yeah. So those were already a little bit dirty. Yeah. And then you get the decomposition on top of that. Mm-hmm. It ends up smelling like never talk to strangers. Do you think, like, he shoved it underneath the seat in front of him? Like, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. flight? Yeah. But it has to be he... all the way under, though. Yeah, but do you think, like, if they didn't have a good in-flight movie, like, he took it out and was kind of, like, opening the <laughs> eyelids and things like that? And, like, making faces? And then, like, Keith David had, like, one of those disposable cameras and they were taking pictures with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think all that happened. Yeah. If Seagal had any sense of humor. Yeah. And then they're sitting behind Peter <laughs> McAllister. And, and then she's like, Kevin! And then they're just like, we've got, you can't turn this plane around. Do you think when the Glimmer Man came out that Steven Seagal was calling Stephen Hopkins just to be like, <laughs> the Glimmer Man opened at number two? Just he just continually darkness, not so much. <laughs> Even when Stephen Hopkins doesn't have a movie out, he's just being harassed by Seagal about how his movies performed. I feel like he'd be even more in- on exit <laughs> I feel like he'd be even more annoying where he's just like he calls up Stephen Hopkins and he's talking smack and stuff and then he like and Stephen Hopkins like, Yeah, yeah, very funny, Stephen and then all of a sudden like he passes the phone to Jimmy Cliff and then like <laughs> Jimmy Cliff is making fun of him and he's just like you're passing the phone around and it's just like he's like, We're, we've been drinking. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh that was one of the biggest fights I've ever gotten into with an ex girlfriend. Interesting. Is one time she called me drunk. Okay. 
and I was not drunk. And I was listening to her, and I thought it was like playing along. I thought it was funny, but then she passed her phone away mm-hmm. to her drunk friends, mm-hmm. and I kind of like lost my patience after a while. Sure. And I hung up, oh. and then she called me and started yelling at me because I was like oh, ruining her drunk fun. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, if it was you staying on the line. And me hearing your like you know drunk monologues that would be fun, but right. I'm not a big fan of Tiffany, <laughs> and I don't want to hear more shit from Tiffany. So, anyways, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Marked for death, baby. Marked for marked for death. Okay, time for another gift. Okay, all right. I'm running out. I only have two more. Okay, I've got four. Holy shit! Sorry, I've got four. <laughs> A Malice VHS. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. Amazing. Yeah. With the UPC code blacked out, of course. Mm-hmm. Deviously entertaining from its start to finish. Vincent Canby of the New York Times. I'm surprised it's New Line Home Video because I thought it was like a Columbia Pictures movie. Uh, It's Columbia. Okay. But the New Line Home Video. Yeah. MGM put the DVD out. What's going on with Malice? It's just getting passed around like a fucking phone at Adam's girlfriend's house. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the rights are all wrong. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, do you want another one? Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right, let's see what we got here. Jim Jim Crow. Miller's Crossing, a movie I almost watched two you days said ago. said you had never seen it, right? Do you already own it? I'm sorry. I, I don't have okay, it. Okay, good. No, Criterion even. Yeah. yeah, this is nice. It's a good one. All right. So since you got how many left? One? One. Okay, I'll give you one more now. Okay. And then when you give me that one, I'll give you two. Oh, my gosh. I feel spoiled. You shouldn't. <laughs> Trust me. Timco. <laughs> um, so- This is just dead air on the holiday show, everyone. Oh, oh what is go. this? <laughs> <laughs> this would be a Teddy Kumar Funko Pop from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, yeah. my least favorite character in a movie this year. <laughs> Remember when you said, I don't know, I like him better than Short Round? And I was just like, really? And then we had a beer and then we talked about it. And I was like, what is it about it? And you're just like, he's so three-dimensional. And I was like, I'm are you so sure? invested in his safety. Yeah. He's going to make an appearance on every holiday show from now on. He's going to be on the table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you for the Teddy Kumar Funko Pop. You're welcome. Wow. Why did they make this? Why not? Did they also make an Antonio Banderas one? No, let me see. From they Indiana Jones the and the Dial of Destiny? Which ones they have? They have um, I'm going to clean up your shit. They have Indiana Jones, Helena Shaw. Dr. Jurgen Voller and Teddy Kumar. They overestimated how much America was going to like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, by a lot. (laughs) Although, I will say, my mother-in-law's partner bought, like, he couldn't wait for the U.S. DVD release, so he bought, like, a Chinese import DVD of Dial of Destiny. Of Dial of Destiny because he wanted to see it again because he likes it so much. Okay. And every time they have company over, he shows it to them. That's <laughs> so amazing. My mother in law has had to sit through it multiple times because he keeps wanting to show new groups of people 
Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Every, will he be getting this Teddy Kumar Fungo Bomb? No. Yeah. No, he will not. I was going to say it would be a betrayal. <laughs> it stays him. in the family. Yeah, every every movie is somebody's number one movie. Exactly. Of the year. Yeah, that's like when my my uncle had um, like a home theater system for the first time. And I was, this was like in the early 90s. So like I was maybe, say, like nine years old. He's just like, Adam, come down here. And I was like, okay. So I go down in his basement and he's like, he took pride in his theater room. He had like framed posters with sure. like the, the lighting inside Ooh, the theater nice. box and stuff. He had like poster for the Godfather sure. and stuff like that. Like you do. So he just basically was like, check out the sound system. And then he put on like the Eagles concert. Oh, and I was boy. just like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> but I had to stand Anything there. Anything but the Eagles. Yeah, but I had to stand there and be like nodding my head. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I've never heard Take It Easy sound so good. <laughs> I felt like Jared Galecki in Christmas Vacation where I'm like, well, dad. It's like one of those. It's total well, dad. Oh. Um. Marked for Death would be the best movie that Dwight Little, the best action movie that Dwight Little made in Chicago. Oh my God! If not for Rapid Fire, his next movie, Rapid Fire. Yeah. So I have a critics quote. Okay, I love it. I love it. All right. CBS TV, Indianapolis. (laughs) Move over, Van Damme. Seagal, Brandon Lee has arrived. All right. Um, scene at the movies, <laughs> S-C-E-N-E. Oh, of course. <laughs> Brandon Lee is just as exciting, intense, and charismatic as his legendary father, Bruce Lee. The Houston Post said, like father, like son, like dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> like father, like son, like dynamite. Yeah. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Starring Brandon Lee. Directed by Dwight H. Little. Pew, pew, pew. Rapid fire. <laughs> um, Kate Hodge. Yeah. At, this is one of those movies where when you're watching it, yeah. you're convinced it's the best movie you've ever seen. 100%. And that Jake Lowe is like the ultimate hero. Because he is. And that that's who I want to be when I grow up. I really only have three movies to base this off of. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say something super controversial. Okay. Um, but like Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yep. The Crow. Mm-hmm. In particular, Rapid Fire. Yep. I think... Not like physically, not with fighting or whatever, but like in terms of screen presence and charisma, I think Brandon Lee is superior to Bruce Lee. I I could see where you're going. I prefer him to Bruce Lee. I do too. Um, but I also think that that's coming from, and I'm only speaking for myself, I think it's coming from a naive place for me because I just wasn't there when Bruce Lee was Exact same. Yes, exact same. I did not live through Bruce Lee and was like, holy shit, Bruce Lee. Yeah, but... And I know it's kind of weird to do this, but I was sort of thinking, like, what career Brandon Lee would have had. Yeah. And I feel like he would have had kind of a similar action career to Keanu Reeves. I could see that. Like, I could totally see him as John Wick. Yeah, I could see that. So that's where I was going. Because he has, like, that good melding of the previous generation of action star, real macho, and then also kind of, like, the sensitive thing Well, that was waiting to happen. He doesn't, like, totally want to fight. Again, it's there's attention to character Mm. inside of a genre movie that I didn't talk about with Dwight Little, but is something that I've noticed in so many of his movies. 
Um, and I don't know how important that was to him. He talked about, you know, the importance of making each scene work as because we were talking specifically about camera blocking. And he was like, when I was young, I was into like crazy shots and stuff. And you outgrow that stuff. And you're like, do what's best for the scene. Yeah. We didn't talk about character, but like rapid fire again has really good characters. Jake Lowe is a really good character. There's this beat that I mm. fucking love every time it happens in the movie mm. at the beginning when he's at like the art exhibit. Yep. Where he runs ahead of the girl a little bit to open the door for her. Okay. It's the best. It's like this little touch where you're just like, oh, what a gentleman. Oh, that's when they're leaving the art studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I yeah. love it. I'm, I, I got ahead of myself. Yeah, they're not at the the show yet. I shouldn't have corrected you. No, it's fine. I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's totally fine. You gave me getting even to dad and I'm <laughs> correcting that man. Uh, I just love that beat so much that like I'm willing to go with Jake Lowe on an, oh, any yeah. adventure that happens because I'm just like, he ran ahead to open the door. The fact that he's polite is just like that extra boost where I'm just like already I'm just like this guy's cool like yes. he just yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. is cool but it doesn't uh, Alan McElroy mm-hmm. wrote this movie too by the way it doesn't okay. it doesn't do the thing where like that Cobra does where it's like see how cool he is no with the boots and the cigarette or the matchstick and the like cool license plate he and the vintage car the and, right right He's right just cool yes like immediately yeah um I know that I can't decide if it's if i'm being not as generous then maybe i would argue that this is like a theme that's beaten over your head or if i'm being generous i'd argue that this is kind of a nice little thing like that is used as a theme in the movie but i really do love the surrogate father-son relationship between yeah brandon lee and powers booth yeah for sure named mace ryan which is one of the fucking coolest <laughs> names i've ever heard in my entire life he other than jake lowe at fucking fireside i know right i mean it's just like ugh, it's if so you good. grew up in chicago fireside was like where you used to go see punk shows oh was it yeah they used to do concerts there all the time yeah um rilo kiley played there like a bunch of bands like big bands have played there yeah i tried getting candy cane out of my tooth yeah and then like I felt a little drool and I had to stop. <laughs> um, now the uh, <laughs> you don't get that on any other podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I I just really like that relationship, and it's something that they kind of develop over the course of the movie. Yeah. Where you know, like at first, Brandon Lee's kind of pissed off at Powers Booth because he feels like he's being used. Right? Why am I the person who has to solve this situation and everything like that? And then, like, Powers Booth kind of has this begrudging affection for for uh, for Brandon Lee because he's following his advice, like, right. which is basically, like, you got to take a stand for something. And that's right. something that culminates into, like, a, a, a kind of a fist-pumping moment, but also kind of a, a powerful, like, heartfelt moment at mm-hmm. the end. Where the it's like your thing with Hail Caesar, where it's just like, are you a yeah, yeah, yeah. A, principal yeah, or an extra? A principal or an extra? And yeah. they say like, are you in or you're out? Right. And he means like, are you getting into the ambulance to go to the hospital to follow with Powers Booth? And it's basically also, you know, are you into this life? Are you going to be a cop? Or are you going to like stand for something? Or are you going to be kind of like this jaded young man? Right. And he says, we're in. It feels like such a fucking win, and it's awesome. Well, it helps yeah. that that fucking Hardline song starts playing. There's two great Hardline na, na, songs na, in this. Na, 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 yeah. na, 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 Do you like the other one? 
but can't find my way. I like can't find my way for the love scene, but yeah. the one at the end credits is the better hardline song. Kate Hodge was reminding me of Rashida Jones in this, and I, I kind of I liked it. Okay, yeah, but I like sleeve, Kate Hodge sleeve, in this. sleeveless Hodge is great. Sure, What's I never a, watched. A, a, what else was she in? She, well, she was on a show called like She Wolf of London or something like okay. that. She it was like a syndicated show that I never watched. Okay, Maybe she it was, was just in called some other movie. But I can't remember. She was. I'm looking it up now. Um, they also do the thing in this movie that they kind of do in Marked for Death, where there's like multiple. Oh, she's in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good in that. She Wolf of London was the show. Um, she's good in Leatherface. I like her in this a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Powers Booth is amazing, but they do like like they do in Marked for Death with multiple villains. So we get like Nick Mancuso as like the gangster villain, and then we get. Zima as yeah. like the Asian crime boss at the end, and the the only point where the movie kind of stretches credibility is when like Zima is going toe to toe with Brandon Lee at the end. And you're yeah, just but like, the, sh- the fight is so short though. It is short, you know? and it ends with him getting just fucking good bad guy nail, yeah. <laughs> which is DHL knows what he's doing. With yeah, the bad guy he does. really yeah. does because they're also like I I can't say this about the marked for death one, but the the rapid fire one feels kind of realistic like oh that's how that would happen yeah yeah i get it yeah i wrote down zima i've always liked that guy because he just pops up and like <laughs> yeah movies and kills it and then like yeah you just don't think about it but um and then also nick mancuso <laughs> uh, this he, like he chews more scenery than the snake and anaconda <laughs> like it's phenomenal I love over the top he is very performances like this. Over the top. You also get Raymond yeah. J. Barry as a yeah. dirty agent mm-hmm. uh giving a fun performance. Nick Mancuso gets uh murdered in jail during the love scene. Yeah. Which I like that it cuts back and forth from them fucking to Nick Mancuso being murdered in jail. What's a bigger turn on for you? Nick Mancuso getting killed yeah, in the jail during the love scene? Or Woody Harrelson getting the shit kicked out of him in Money Train <laughs> while Wesley Snipes is having sex with Jennifer Lopez. I forgot about that. Wow, it plays the same kind of game, doesn't it? I know it's the only way you can finish either way. Is to... <laughs> How funny. Like, I, So I just rewatched Money Train when I was doing that 95 marathon. Mm-hmm. It's like the last 20 minutes that they're like, let's rob the Money Train. Yeah. It's not the premise of the movie. No, like the, the premise of the movie is just minutes. like, what if there were transit cops? Yeah. The first hour and 40 minutes is just them being like, no, no. No. But that trailer, watching that trailer again last night, I literally just watched that movie. But seeing the trailer last night, I was like, oh, this is the top 10 movie. This is one of the yeah. best movies ever made. Yeah. I mean, I knew that from like the Shaggy song at the beginning. The train is coming. Um, yeah, I... I thought this time, okay, Nick Mancuso, same yeah. year as Under Siege. Wow. Good year for him. Good Nick year Mancuso. for him, yeah. But he reminds me of, like, if you told James Mason he's playing Gotti. <laughs> like, that's what he looks like to me. Interesting. Yeah, and you know I love Gotti. I know you love Gotti, and I know that only one person is up to playing Gotti. Yeah. Um, What? The shepherd. For some reason, I thought Nick Mancuso was married to someone like super famous. Mm-hmm. He's been married three times. The first woman he was married to was somebody named Lady Patricia Pelham Clinton Hope. Wow. I don't. I don't know what the story is there. And his last wife was Nadia Capone. So this, I don't know. This is a good. This is a yeah. good roster. 
Um, I I took some random notes. Okay. I wouldn't want to get run over by a tank. <laughs> what about if it was a tank in a bathtub that Bruce Willis and Jane Marsh were in? Yes. <laughs> all, <laughs> all of it. All right, then. I would want to get electrocuted by that tank. Um, uh, let's see. Naked Lady and Dragon Drawing should be its own store at a dead mall. <laughs> um, motorcycles, a guy through a glass case. Pretty awesome. It's super awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um there is no such bad no there's no such thing as a bad motorcycle stunt. True. Yeah. If you think about it, yeah. Have you ever watched an action movie where there's a motorcycle stunt and not thought it was one of the best stunts of the movie? <laughs> um makes me want to go to Fireside Bowl. Yeah. Which uh, I think is closed now. I like when Brandon Lee says what kind of judge is going to buy that? And then the cop just goes, my judge. And then the thing is settled. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I think there's a little bit more room for negotiation. Nope. On that one. Um, are there any pre showdown in little Tokyo, Brandon Lee movies that are worth watching? I've, I think I've only seen laser mission. Okay. And there's only like one other one, right? Yeah. I think it's like two or three. Other yeah. Ones, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Oh, I like action movies when the hoods are also waiters. <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? I do. Where it's like the bad guy right. rents out a restaurant, but then the waitstaff also has to like be a hench person. Like, I always find that funny. Yeah. I can um, see why. It also happens in the Glimmer Man. <laughs> um, I'd love to be a Foley artist on Brandon Lee Punches and Kicks. <laughs> can you imagine? That's a good job. And that's it. Rapid Fire is my favorite of the, of the six that we're talking about. I think it's probably mine, too. I mean, I love Halloween 4, and if you'd asked me probably two years ago, I would say Halloween 4. Yeah. Um, but I've watched it so many times that I think I agree that Rapid Fire is, is yeah. DHL's best yeah i would go rapid fire than halloween four okay i think i would too yeah um it's funny because i i saw this in 93 92 it came out in august of 92 92 yeah i saw it when it came out i liked it but i was like whatever mm -hmm. and then years went by and i like bought it from what did that the place that rosalie used to work at uh Disc Replay? Disc Replay. I bought a DVD of it from yeah. Disc Replay when mm. I wrote that heavy action column and watched it. And I was like, oh, my God, why was I sleeping on this movie? Yeah. This movie is so, so, so good. And there's all this interesting subtext about Brandon Lee and, like, mm. all the stuff with his dad that you already pointed out and, like, who are you going to grow up to be? Yeah. Um, and I've been kind of beating the drum for it ever since, I think – we were denied, you know, Brandon Lee is, is mostly remembered for the crow. Yeah. But for me, this is the movie that makes me sad about his loss. I mean, I, I, any movie makes me sad about yeah, his loss, but it, like, I think it's a better showcase of what he would have been as a movie star. Yeah. Cause the crow, it's him playing kind of fitting into the, I mean, he obviously transcends what he's doing, yeah. but like, He's more fitting into like a milieu where like this is sort of 
let's build everything around Brandon Lee's persona. Right. Yeah. The crow, yeah. he has to be kind of brooding. Yeah. Um, and this, he gets to be charming. He gets to, mm-hmm. I love the scene where he stabs the guy and immediately is like kind of horrified by what just happened. Yeah. I love that whole apartment fight. That's probably my favorite yeah. fight in the movie where he keeps breaking the guy's nose. Mm. I love that running joke. I love the way that that whole sequence is blocked where the camera comes up and the train comes by at the same time. It's like so well done. Yeah. Um, I wish Powers Booth was like my little league coach one year. <laughs> like he seems like he would be like a great like like youth baseball coach. Yeah, or like basketball or something where it's just like you're a little down on yourself, and he's just like he's like you're gonna get back up there, and you're just gonna make a jumper. And it's just gonna happen, and then like you're like it was stillness all along. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean shit. That's one thing that was sad about watching this movie is just like when you see like Brandon Lee and Powers both yeah, in the right. same thing and scene, and it's just like you, lo- you lost both of them way, way, way too soon for sure. But uh, I'm glad that I picked up the Twilight Time Blu-ray before that went out of print. Yeah, and yeah. Twilight Time went out of business, yeah. and now it's like I'm going to look it up on eBay, but I'm sure it's fucking impossible to get now. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, it's a Fox title, so it's not like Disney's going to be putting out the Blu-ray, you know? Maybe they'll play it at the Tivoli. I mean, maybe. Or maybe they could play it at Smash Cut. I wish. Oh, is it not, no DCP? Uh, there's no DCP, but also we can't because it's Disney. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. The Tivoli can, but yeah. we can't. Oh, okay. Um, I do think that this is kind of where DHL peaks i think he moves into mm-hmm. a different stratosphere of directing yeah but i don't think his movies are as good after this i would agree with that yeah our next pick is my number three dhl though but a lot of that is like a sentimental thing i could see that yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh okay so what is the next i'm looking up rapid fire blu-ray uh well before we get to the next one 57 that's not terrible yeah 85 75 130 wow I cherish my Blu-ray. Me too. All right. I'll give you your last two presents before we get into the next movie. Yes. All right. Okay. So this is your first one. Okay. Thank you. OMG, the Nicolas Cage (laughs) 8 six film collection. It was $5 at Target. Holy shit. They're really trying to get rid of some of their DVDs. It's got Joe, Drive Angry, Knowing, Lord of War, Bangkok Dangerous, and the little scene Deadfall. Have you ever seen Deadfall? I haven't seen Deadfall. Okay, you're going to have to borrow this just to watch (laughs) his performance in Deadfall because this is very, very misleading. Who else is in Deadfall? (laughs) Michael Bean is the one I really remember. Um, But, like, it has Nicolas Cage looking normal, and yeah. th- that is not Deadfall at all. I have not seen, let's see, Deadfall, Bangkok Dangerous, or Drive Angry, but I, li- <sighs> I like Joe a lot. Yeah, Joe's super good. Knowing we've talked about before is really good. Yeah, it is. And Lord of War, I remember being pretty decent. I'm due for a revisit yeah. on Lord of War. That's, like, one of the Cage that I haven't gone back to for some yeah. reason. Yeah, And then here's your last present. <gasps> a falling down VHS. Now you don't have you. to walk to Schomburg to see <laughs> falling down, because I bought it for you in Schomburg. Thank you! Yeah. Yay! Yay. Alright, here's your last one. Okay. It's literally the worst one, and I don't know how I'm it excited. ended up last. I'm excited for the worst ones! <laughs> Christmas do-over. Did you buy this at Blockbuster Video? <laughs> no, I bought it, feels it at like a Blockbuster. Bu- it feels like a Blockbuster and case. It's totally a Blockbuster yeah. case. This is amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> now you own Christmas do-over. Now I don't have to go through the trouble of firing up Amazon Prime. 
Thank you so much. Please make it a part of your collection forever. It will. Thank you. Yeah. If anybody wants to trade, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never do that. Um, okay, so our next movie, but before we get into the next movie. Yeah. Um, so the next movie that DHL directed is Free Willy 2, The Adventure Home. Um, and we will get into the critics' quotes for that in oh, a second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which there are a lot. Really? Yeah. Um, but I took it upon myself to watch the Free Willy oh, right. animated series yeah. finale, which was also their Christmas episode, <laughs> entitled Yuletide and Red Tide. And um, what can I say about this other than... <laughs> Is this on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I... I, I I want to know where the Free Willy animated series kind of started to lead to how we got to where we got to where there's a, like, Inspector Gadget, Claw, Dr. Claw villain called the Machine that's half cyborg, half man, and it's modus operandi is to do, like, water crimes. Yeah. Um, Willy talks. A dolphin is his sidekick who talks. <laughs> Um, the machines, just like the movies, evil henchmen are like toxic waste puddles uh-huh, uh-huh. and they're just like, I don't know. And stuff like that. Um, how long did this animated series run for two years for real? Yeah. I would have said like 13 episodes. No, it was, I think it was it like smacks of a 13 20 or 30 run. something episodes. Wow. Um, but yeah, there's like a whole plot where it's Christmas. Yeah. Um, but it's unseasonably warm. And the machine decides to, like, bring in this red tide that is, like, harmful for the environment. Mm. And then Willie and Jesse, like, somehow concoct that, like, if we drag, like, giant icebergs into the red tide, it, like, it dilutes the red tide. What? And that's the plot of the show. And then at the end of the episode, it's like... It's like, thanks, Willie. Merry Christmas, everyone. And then, like, the machine, I think, is dead because it just shows, like, under the water. And yeah. it's like, well, that's the end of that thread. Right. You got to end the series. And it's just, I don't I don't know what to say. It should have ended the way dinosaurs ended. Oh, my God. With everyone going extinct. Dark shit. Including Willie. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Willie. So this came out in 95. I had never seen this until I just did my DHL watch leading up to the book and the interview. Yeah. I still have never seen Free Willy 1, <laughs> but I've seen Free Willy 2 twice. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Now you got all the context. Um, Again, when you compare it to movies in 2023, it's a fucking four-star banger. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got some stuff I don't love in it, but you're just like, they're shooting outdoors in real water. The photography is amazing. The score rules. Mm-hmm. All the cast is dialed in. Like... This uh for this one Dwight Little was trying to make the Black Stallion. Okay, I can see that. Um I took a page and a half of notes. Oh I've wow. Been waiting, I've been waiting for this moment yes. for a long time. I love it. But critics quotes first. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, sorry. The New York Times smarter and more endearing than the original. I disagree. <laughs> Fast and full of explosive action and suspense. Interesting. I don't know about suspense. Yeah, not so much. The ideal family movie all caps exclamation mark. Um Joel Siegel, wow, <laughs> terrific for kids and anyone who's ever been a kid. <laughs> so anyone. Um, let's see. The 
Turner Entertainment Report, a must-see for children of all ages from 6 to 60, which you're not a child if you're 60. And why only at 60? You do age out of Free Willy 2, though, at 61, at 61 62. Yeah. That's when you go to Free Willy kind of 3. Bullshit. That's when you go to the yeah. whaling industry. Oh, wow. Um, magic. Pure magic. American <laughs> Urban Radio Network. Um, the Seagull Foundation... Or excuse me, the Siegel Entertainment Syndicate, which sounds like Whoa. the machine would be. Yeah, from it does. It. A thoroughly entertaining, them. <laughs> yeah, a thoroughly entertaining summer film that will give kids and adults alike a rousing good ride. Really returns with a splash. <laughs> um, Free Willy Two. Jeffrey Lyons from Sneak Previews. Blech. Uh, delightful <laughs> summertime family entertainment. Michael Medved. Am I on the wrong side? Um, feel free to enjoy it with your kids. Oh, thanks, Michael. I appreciate you giving me permission. Um, let's see. HF1 News. Not a thing. Better than the original. Lots of fun. A Whoa. wonderful action-packed adventure. Fighting words. And WABC Radio. Heartwarming. Free Willy 2 is one of the best family entertainments of the summer. Okay. I mean, that may be true. Summer yeah. 95. What did, what did we summer, really though. have Oh, family entertainment-wise? Hold on. I'm unlocking okay. my, <laughs> my idiot brain. So, May. Yeah. We've got well, Casper. We Casper, yeah. In June... There's Pocahontas. Okay. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm. In July, you got let's see Free Willy 2. You got Indian in the Cupboard. Okay. You got um, Babysitter's Club, maybe. Let's see. August, you got Babe. Okay. Kid in King Arthur's Court. Oh. Bushwhacked. The Amazing Panda Adventure. <laughs> It was a banner summer. I guess it was. Well, yeah. They really used to make like movies for kids and families that With weren't just like animated yeah. shit. Yeah. That's one thing I think that is kind of sad is there used to be so many movies where it was just right. like one of the things that was cool is just like I'm a kid and I'm seeing a movie with another kid right. doing kid stuff. Right. And it's like now it's, you know, look, Aquafina's a duck. I'm just <laughs> like... <laughs> And I'm just like, wow, I don't know so where this seen is going. Maestro? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, She's just like, don't cross the street because I'm a fucking duck. <laughs> don't eat that chocolate, Wonka. I'm a fucking duck. <laughs> don't conduct that symphony, Maestro. <laughs> I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking duck. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you dare free willy i'm a fucking duck don't you set out into the world bella baxter i'm a fucking duck don't you get in that ring iron claw i'm a fucking duck don't give away your secrets oppenheimer i'm a fucking duck I was going to have you rank the family movies of Summer 95, but there's That's almost too, too many. many. Yeah. yeah, I would need to like <laughs> start rating Top three down. would be what? Babe, Casper, what comes in at three? Panda Adventure. Okay. I, I mean, that movie is just a wall-to-wall, <laughs> outlaw cinema classic. Um, 
Yeah, oh god, I don't even. I'll let you talk about Free Willy Two first because I've got just. A I don't. Yeah, I don't to totally know what to say about yeah. it um, because I don't have attachment to the characters. Like, I do not like the introduction of Elvis. Elvis is the worst part of the entire franchise. He's a lot of the movie. Yeah. But I will say that Elvis, like, has my back at one point because he's like, everyone kisses Jesse's butt. And I'm like, you know what? You're kind of right. Everyone does. Yeah. (laughs) Including the fucking whales. So I'm a little bit with you, Elvis. And I understand why you're feeling the way you feel. If if you've seen the first one, and I don't mean to be that guy, but if you've seen the first one... People are not kissing Jesse's butt in the first movie, okay. so like seeing him as well-adjusted as he is in the second one is a big win for us diehards. <laughs> Got it. So, I'm just saying, he's earned it. No, I don't disagree. And it's not that I dislike Jesse or JJR in the movie. Mm-hmm. I just felt like when Elvis does point that out, I'm a little bit like, yeah, you're right. Even the whales kiss his ass. Do I even know you? You're, fr- you're siding with Francis <laughs> Capra the third. Kazam's Francis Capra III, who used one of his wishes on candy falling from the sky. Fruity Pebbles uh, candy canes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is good JJR. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm curious about is, so I know that DHL married JJR's mom in real life. Right. Because he's his stepson. Right. There's a photo um, where Elvis hands oh, Jesse right, right, right. a photo of him, his mom, because Jesse, you know, was abandoned by his mother and doesn't know what she looked like or anything, and she has since passed away. So I wonder if in that photo, because it looks like it's a young Jason James Richter, if that's really his mom. Wouldn't that be interesting? Because my first thought was she's really hot, <laughs> and I thought, good for DHL. DHL only pulls down tens. Yeah, Sholin, mm-hmm. JJR's mom. I hope that she left Brad Pitt for him. <laughs> I do too. And Pitt's just like again. <laughs> You're worse than John Doe. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got a good autobiographical story about Love Free it. Willy too. The first time I saw it in theaters, this is the only of the Free Willy movies I'd seen in theaters in its first run. Okay. Because by the time Free Willy 3 came out, it was 15, and there was no way I could convince anybody to go see Free Willy 3 with me, and I hadn't Did gone. you want to, though? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah. I saw it, like, right away when it came out on video. Oh, nice. Um, But uh, Free Willy 2, I was, like, 13. It was, like, right on the edge. So I went, and I was disappointed by it. I thought that it was, like, whatever grit the first one had. Okay. It was kind of all standard off, and it was just like real like bubblegum. I could see that. And um, then it turned into one of those like the Lost World spawn situations where, where like I said, you know, I would go to the video store and I'm like, I want to rent this. And my dad's just like, you don't like this. I'm like, I never said that, even <laughs> though I like clearly had said that for months about how bad this movie is. So um, my junior high used to have these things called fun fairs. Yeah. Where, like, part of it was raffles. Okay. So they would have, like, a, you know, a whole stage full of items, and, like, you could buy raffle tickets, and then you could put in, like, the tickets into whatever thing you want to go go get the raffle for. So one of the things I remember was, like, Factory Sealed, Clamshell, VHS, Free Willy 2. Whoa. 
and I had bought like my parents gave me like ten bucks to buy raffle tickets, and you could you could do stuff right. like a stereo or like a TV and stuff like that. I put all ten bucks in on Free Willy Two VHS, yeah. yeah. And it came with a uh, commemorative necklace, as Jesse wears, that Randolph gave him with the whale. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I, I don't know why I don't like this movie, but I want this so bad. <laughs> and that was when I kind of turned around on, okay. on Free Willy 2. And ever since then, it's been smooth sailing. Did you win it? No. Fuck. I didn't win anything. I'm sorry. I'm not good at winning contests. No, so, I'm not either. Yeah. I don't like entering contests because I'm not good at winning them. Yeah. You know what the funny thing is? For most people, the odds are against them. <laughs> it's not just us. <laughs> it's like part of the whole thing. Um but yeah, this movie's got, you know, a return by August Schellenberg as Randolph, who's yeah. like neck and neck with Miyagi for me. <laughs> like I just as much as I want Mace Ryan to be my little league coach, I want like I think part of my youth was wasted in the fact that like my family didn't know like a whale guy. <laughs> like who could like teach me the things that they were ill equipped to do. Like, cause they were yeah. like, my family's more of like an indoor family. Okay. I need like, Mine an, too. I need like an outdoor, right, like right, right. man of the world to have teach me like, you know, like how to talk to whales, how to talk to whales, yeah, yeah, yeah. sonar right, and the like, um, <laughs> camping to give you spirit necklaces, spirit necklaces. Most of this movie is spent camping. Yeah. And I like when they lock Elvis in a tent. Yeah. I like that too. I like when he yells like, the kiss. oh my God. <laughs> it's it's just a good beat. Like it's weird because there's like thirty seconds where like it's funnier than Dumb and Dumber. It's like <laughs> like just like we're just nailing com- comedic beats where he's just like, yeah, I got lasers that shoot on my eyes. I'm like, JJR, where was this timing? Where were these chops? He didn't use them in Cops and Robertsons. What's going on? Is he is he like the lead in that? He's the Chevy Chase's son. He is okay. Who pretends to be a vampire? That's what? his gimmick. Is like he thinks that he's a vampire. Should I see that movie? Of course. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not good, but no. like, yeah. Um, yeah. You had asked me if I had a crush on Nadine. I did when ask I was that. Younger, she always like struck me as like 13 going on 30 sure so like it was i always was just like but i see that as worldly i see that's an attractive quality i see that as worldly but when i was 13 i would not have read i would have been intimidated by Uh, it i got it okay um let's see basil polidor's score amazing he's it's so good it is so good it Um, just it feels like a movie in a way that movies don't anymore no yeah, the whole thing, the cinematography, the music. Yeah, yeah, it just feels like a fucking movie. Yeah, um, Michael Madsen. I wrote down. It seems like a big win that he'll emphasize that he'll empathize with you over whales. <laughs> like I feel like he's you know he's rough around the edges. Yeah, yeah. Like, but when it comes to whales, he's just like, I'll meet you on your level. <laughs> um, it's weird to watch Michael Madsen camping. Yeah, I feel like that's not something that comes naturally to him. No. Um, maybe that's why he hammers his own thumb at one point. Um, Jane Atkinson does a spit shake. She does. With Elvis and Michael Madsen goes, do a spit shake with someone? Man, that's serious. (laughs) And then they go, have you seen my childhood? (laughs) Which is a big step down from where, where will you, will you be there from the original? Which I think was part of the problem with, um, 
DHL goes into this movie in his book and talks about some of the problems that the first movie faced, mm-hmm. and that's why he had some issues making this one. Not okay. not personal issues, but just he had some hurdles to overcome. Like what in the making of Free Willy too? Like the having to use some robot whales because they couldn't use real whales politics. because of politics. Yeah, yeah, that's what. After I read the book, I was like, now I know what Madsen's been referring to. It was yeah. like I could see the Matrix. I could see the code all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like the use Sydney of the Michael Pollock, Jackson song. Because, it's like when Sidney Pollack finally tells you what's going on in Eyes Wide Shut. Michael Jackson had come under controversy after the first movie, I think, had come out. Yeah, I think it was in between. The two so movies. it was like, uh-oh, we have to distance ourselves from – the use of that because I think he wrote a new song for Free Willy too, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not going to use it." No, that's childhood. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, they did use it, mm. uh, but they there was an issue with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember, but yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not good. Have no. you seen my childhood? It's like the worst of his. Yeah, like schmaltz. Yes, music in the nineties. What is um, the best of his? Is it Man in the Mirror? Of his schmaltz, though. Yeah. Probably. I mean, like, I'm trying. I'm trying to like separate his love song stuff because I okay. really like. I can't. I just can't help loving you, which is like a duet that's from Bad. Um, that's schmaltzy, but that's more like a love Who's song. Who's the duet with? I don't remember. I know the song, but it's I didn't really know that good. was a duet. It's really, really good. Um, I just can't help loving you. <laughs> yeah. And if I stop, I tell you just what will I do? I just can't stop loving you. Yeah. I don't even know how to pronounce this name. Sida Garrett. I think you just did. Okay. S-I-E-D-A-H. Okay. Yeah. I didn't remember that song having another singer on it. Yeah. Um, I think Will You Be There is probably his best schmaltz for okay. sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I just think that's an amazing song. But all right, I wrote Jane Atkinson. Um, I don't know if this is mean but i meant it in a nice way (laughs) you just know she won't prepare thanksgiving in half measures (laughs) like you just know that she's like she feels like very momish okay you're just like if she invites you over to thanksgiving like you're gonna get the sheer sure yeah okay um let's see we get our second pena movie in two weeks yeah elizabeth pena always a welcome presence in a movie um i wrote let's see you know who's not a fucking welcome presence in any movie? Hmm. John Tenney. We'll get to John Tenney. <laughs> okay, not, here, I'll I'm write. I'm not a Tenney fan. I wrote, John Tenney is like Richard Roper's buddy love. <laughs> <laughs> Again, kind of a Chicago reference. <laughs> People know Richard Roper. Oh, that's true. He yeah. hosted with Ebert for all those years. Yeah. So. Um, I wrote... Francis Capra Elvis, just because he's New York doesn't mean we all have to be. Right. Madsen telling Jesse it's okay to cry is like telling all of us it's okay to cry. <laughs> um, let's see. Nice campground, nice tent. I want camping pads. Nice cove. <laughs> um, I love shots of whales jumping out of the water. Sure. It's just cinematic. Yeah. Um. It would be cool if your harmonica falls in a lake slash ocean, and when you get it back, you can do water songs now that harmonica rules. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Jesse's on the make. There's no denying Pacific Northwest for- Pacific Northwest pheromones. <laughs> I you, could see that. You can only succumb to them. It does have a little bit of like that, like first 
crush summer vibe. It's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's sweet. Yeah. Like, they're not going to last the summer. Right. But, you know, well, maybe. He they'll last her. the summer. Yeah, and he saves her and stuff. They'll go their separate ways. I and... love when he's just like, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm just like, that's hero talk, Jesse. <laughs> I'm like, you've become a hero. Um, let's see here. Jesse holding court to woo Nadine, relatable. Because mm. I remember so many times, like, especially in junior high and stuff, where you're just like showboating. Mm. You're just like, look at it's like, look at my shit. Look how great I am. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I ever did that. I did that all the time. <laughs> um, how long do you think they dated? The summer. Okay. Yeah. And um, they wrote letters to each other, but it was like yeah. they weren't trying to stay together. No. No, I think at the beginning when they show like that Jesse's kind of a ladies' man. Yeah, I think one of the girls is from Mighty Ducks. Interesting, and I feel like that's a better match because she's a hometown girl. Right, right. So like, when he comes back like yeah. to Nadine the following summer, it's like he, now he's a man. Now things are different. He's become a hero. Yeah. He's had his first kiss. Yeah, riding he's on got whales Riz. can lead to sex. Exactly. Um, <laughs> We've learned from yeah. Michael Madsen that that happens. I wrote, the only way to watch these movies is a Snapcase DVD. Because that's what I have. Yeah, because for some reason they look like better than 4K <laughs> on these Snapcase DVDs. Um, this is the only Free Willy movie that goes for laughs. I find that interesting. Oh, there's no like comedy in the first or third? No, okay. not really. They're more. They're much more like Ernest. Okay. Um, like Ernest P. Worrell? <laughs> I wish. I'm going to Free uh, Willy, Vern. Let's see. <laughs> no. Ew. What's your favorite Ernest disguise? I like the old woman uh, with the neck brace. <laughs> sure. It's the only one I can think of right now, yeah. so I'll agree with you. Um, what is it that DHL is bringing to a movie that you respond to? So I say that just in general. Um, For me, it's his attention to serving the movie in the best way possible. Yeah, that's kind of where I was coming from, too. That it's always like, what do the characters want? Does this more or less make sense? What's the best way to stage this? Like, I just think he's such a... It's like egoless. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He saves that for cucking pit. <laughs> well, um, yeah, he doesn't need an ego when he makes movies when he's pulling Shulin. Yeah. I uh, kind of want the first half conflict-free Willy vacation to be the whole movie. Because I'm not as much of a fan of, like, the oil stuff. I'm not either. Once we get into the second half and John Tenney yeah. shows up and M.M. at Walsh. And usually I'm happy to see M.M. at Walsh. Yeah. But I'm just like, I'm not as into this shit and all the, like, the climax with all the fire and all that. I, yeah. While rousing. Yeah, I mean, it's, totally, yeah, yeah. it's totally fine. But it reminded me of, like, Richie Rich, another kids movie that I watched yeah. recently where I'm like, I'm totally on board. You don't know, like the lasers shot at Mount Rushmore? Until the <laughs> conflict where we have to like take out bad guys, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so the first movie was Captivity. Okay. The second movie was Oil. Right. The third movie is The Whaling Industry. Uh, it's really good. It's shockingly good. The third one is. Yeah. Okay. Who yeah. directed the third one? Sam Pillsbury. I don't think he's That's done a, a whole lot of made else. up name. Um let's see. I love in movies when people make medicine. So there's this thing called Skookum, and it basically looks like Randolph is giving tableside guac to <laughs> Willie. But I also love that in like Karate Kid where Daniel's just like, Ur, I got like a 
a Charlie horse. And then Miyagi's just like, let me go into the forest and like pull these leaves and put them in a guac bowl and like get like a, like a stone and it'll turn into like this thing that I can rub on your knee. And then he's like, wow, I feel all better. (laughs) Like I love that stuff in movies. I want a 20 minute sequence where Jesse goes on like a vision quest with Randolph. Like a Moonlight Desires. Kind of, yeah. yeah that yeah. would be pretty cool. There's, I, a, there's scenes where they're like together where I'm like, this is definitely ending in a vision quest, right? And it doesn't happen. Yeah. I want when they give Willie all the guac that Jesse just throws a bag of tortilla chips <laughs> into his mouth, too. Um, Sam Pillsbury, I just found out, also direct. I mean, he directed a bunch of movies, mm-hmm. but he directed a, a movie called Zondali with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Okay. And Judge Reinhold I talking about that. and yeah. Greta from Nightmare on Elm Street 5. All right on. Which is worth a watch well, for a lot of reasons. Get it for me next Christmas. Oh, no. It's uh, very hard to procure oh, okay. on physical media, but it used to be on Tubi. Okay. I'll see and I'm looking it. it up right now. But if you're a Greta fan, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, does M. Emmett Walsh age? No, he's it's still on Tubi. Um, he, no, he's always seventy five. Exactly. Yeah, I was born seventy five. I like in movies when villains fall in water, and it's like, well, that's the end of that. Thread. <laughs> that is definitely what happens to Tenny. That was like Warner Brothers' kid movie wheelhouse. <laughs> like any movie that has Bugs Bunny on the Warner Brothers logo, it's, it's just like it's like some motherfucker is going to fall in water, and they're going to. They're going to be neutralized. They're done for. Um, weird how 70 minutes into the movie, they're like, let's just do an abbreviated version of the first movie's climax, which oh. is like him, Willie jumping over. Like, oh, the, right, right, right. I've seen thing. it in the trailers and the highlight reels and such. Yeah. Um. So you know how like they're <clears throat> saving the kids from the water with the oil and the fire and stuff like that? Yeah. So this is more a question for other movies, but it always bothers me when it's like... um. There's an escape, and somebody drops a ladder from a helicopter, and somebody like grabs the ladder. But then the helicopter will fly away at like a hundred yeah. miles per hour, yeah. and like the person's just, just expected to hold on, hanging on the ladder. It's horrible. Like, how, yeah. climb into the helicopter and then fly away. Yeah, I, I'd yeah. never get that. I'm with you. Um. Okay. Yeah. The reveal that Jesse's mom is hot. PHL. <laughs> and then I wrote last shot of the whale swimming in the end credits is all. Goodbye for now, dot, 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 maybe forever, super powerful. It is, yeah. It, like, when that, like when it finally like fades to black on the end credits where the, the whales are no longer swimming, we didn't know Free Willy 3 was going to happen. No, you so kind like, of assume this is it. Yeah, so like with 1, 2, and 3, you're always just like, and the Pretenders Forever Young is playing and stuff, you're just like, that was a good summer. <laughs> I, again, I appreciate like... Dwight Little making a kids movie, working for Richard Donner and Lauren Schuler Donner, who yeah. are very like kind of hands-on producers, mm-hmm. um, working for Warner Brothers, big studio movie, and I I think he acquits himself well. I don't think Free Willy Two, well, <laughs> it might be my fifth favorite of all the ones we watched. Okay, yeah, it's my three. Okay, yeah. um, but. My fifth favorite's next. I st- okay, what's number six then? Phantom of the Opera. For real? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Shockingly low. I like them all though. Okay. Yeah. I think I like the next one least. Okay. 
I wouldn't say that I dislike it, but I just think it's kind of a mess in the way that his other movies are not. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like... Also, we didn't talk about that Basil Wallace shows up as a reporter in this movie. Basil Wallace shows up in like three of the movies. Holy shit. Marked for death, of course. Obviously. Um, Massive coup. Free Willy 2 as a reporter. Right. I think he's in Murder at 1600 somewhere. Or is it Rapid Fire? It's one of the two. I saw him like the end credits that he was in one of the two. He's in in Joyride. Um, Hold on. I'm going to find it. John Dahl Joyride? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That movie's good. It is good. Candy cane. <laughs> I want a Fruity Pebbles candy cane. Uh, he's in the wood? Who's he playing in the wood? He's somebody's dad. Oh, yeah. He's um Lisa's father. Yeah, Tay Diggs is Lisa's fiance. Yeah, and he's okay. always, yeah, he's just like, what's wrong with you guys? He's in Rapid Fire. Okay. Yeah. I love that DHL has, like, company he's, players. He's got company players, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so our last movie is Murder at 1600. The address uh, that changes all the rules. The address that changes all the rules. was supposed to come out before Absolute Power, and then Clint did a power Clint play. Clint fucked them. I'm surprised that he didn't do Absolute Power for Warner Brothers. Cause he he went, did, didn't he? No, it was Columbia. Shit. Yeah. But he was almost always with Warner Brothers, and this was like a movie that he directed also. Yeah. yeah. Anyways... Do you Warner prefer, Brothers put the DVD out, if that helps. Do you prefer Murder at 1600 or Absolute Power? I mean, Absolute Power is a better movie. Okay. But, I mean, the DHL of it draws me to Murder at 1600 a I little bit I more. I like that a little bit more. Than, yeah. yeah. Absolute Power, I think, is funny because he's doing robberies inside the White House. He's dressed like... <laughs> Raphael when he's trying to see a movie in Ninja Turtles. You gotta know what a crumpet is if you're gonna play cricket. Um, the movie opens with Charles Rocket. Sure which does. Is sad because he killed himself in real life and he's trying to kill himself in this. Right. It's lightened by Dennis Miller's <laughs> repartee. Who I, I I'm just always like when I see Dennis Miller as like a cop or something, I'm just like, what? Like. You just I haven't seen a rocket ripping. disaster like that since the Challenger explosion, babe. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm not gonna try to top that uh, or bottom that. I don't even yeah, know. right. You know, I don't think um, there's any topping it. Um, speaking of Dennis Miller, so you yeah. know in Bordello of Blood, of course, how he's a private detective who operates up uh, above a movie theater, <laughs> right? When I Went to the Pickwick last time. I saw that they had office lease for for rent above the Pickwick. Oh my gosh! And I'm just like, if I were ever to become a private <laughs> detective, it is now. Um, yeah. So Wesley Snipes plays uh, Officer Regis or Lieutenant Regis yeah. or Detective Regis. Yeah. He apparently replaced Bruce Willis. Okay. Did DHL say anything about that? He did not. So th- I I remember you mentioned that like. Him and Snipes maybe butted heads a little bit on this one in ways that he didn't with other actors that he worked with. Yeah, I mean, Wesley Snipes was definitely kind of a – had a reputation for being kind of a swinging dick at this point mm. and uh, gave him a hard time. It's in the book. He didn't talk about it with me. Okay. But it's, he talks about like some coming out of his trailer or not showing up on time mm. or whatever and then – he ends up, he ends up like introducing him to like Marion Barry or something, and then mm-hmm. 
everything's fine after that. Like at a certain point, everything was fine, but mm-hmm. initially there was some pushback from, which I, I'm sure he had to have experienced with Seagal on March for Death. You would think so. Yeah. 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 Um, I was surprised that the movie was as light on its feet okay. as it is. Because I think a lot of that is the kind of pitch that whether it's Dwight H. Little decided for the movie or like if it was all kind of reflected from Snipes' take on the performance. Sure. Um, but yeah, I I was expecting like absolute power kind of is self-serious um, it's pulpy, but it's also like they're taking material a little bit more seriously than Murder at 1600. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murder at 1600 is basically like Clue at a certain point where it's just <laughs> like people are just running around the White House and getting into shenanigans. Um, but I like, and it's just, it's not a lot, but I like the characterization that like Snipes' character has where yeah. he's like a history buff and he's got like a model of like Washington DC that's like takes up three quarters of his apartment. Right. He has to have like a TV up on a level because there's no room for the TV anywhere else. Um yeah, I, I like that he's kind of just a, a kind of a nerd almost. Yeah. Yeah. I think my issue is that at a certain point the movie becomes so plot heavy mm-hmm. or that it loses sight of the character stuff that I like. Yeah. The idea of Diane Lane being like a sharp shooter, Olympic sharp shooter mm-hmm. who's recruited by the FBI. Like there's some interesting stuff. I like that. They don't really have a romance that their relationship is more or less professional the whole I think time. It got cut out. I okay. heard something where like at some point there was supposed to be. One. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff I like. I just think by the time, and again, this is something that I think he talks about in his book when like the whole helicopter sequence was like a reshoot because Warner Brothers was like, we love this. We're going to pump some more money into this. Mm. Here's a helicopter. Do a scene with that. <laughs> and you can almost feel that yeah. it's just like there's no reason for them to be running from a helicopter right now other than like to pump up, you know, put it in the trailer and make it look more exciting. Yeah. Um, I think it's the weakest screenplay that he worked with. I can see that. And he almost overcomes it, but I, I, I'm not to the point where I love this movie. Yeah. I, this was my first time seeing it. Okay. All the other ones I had seen before. I liked it. Um, probably a teensy bit more than I thought that I was going to. Okay. Um, I thought that it was funny that like there's at the beginning, there's the sex scene, but then there's like lightning flashes, and it's like presidents paintings, like what? watching them. But then We're they at like the White House. But then they cut to the dude like basically doing sex moves, buffering the floor, like <laughs> yeah. like buffing the, the floor. floor at the, yeah. It's so funny because it's just like oh oh, and he's just like <laughs> swimming like it's like a Bond sequence, like across the floor. <laughs> It's, that should be the next Bond yeah. opening. <laughs> Just custodians yeah. cleaning in a provocative it, way. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I, I perked up when I saw Daniel Benzali in this. We have opposite reactions to Daniel Benzali. Well, that's because I watched Murder One, the Stephen Bochco show. I remember it, and I remember him being a thing, and yeah. I feel like... <laughs> Him being in this movie is like Dennis Leary being in Demolition Man, where it's just like, let's just take the guy who's the thing right now and stick yeah. him in the movie, because Daniel Benzali has one mode. Oh, absolutely. 
He also dated Rebecca De Mornay. What? She has some of the weird. She has a weird roster of uh, romantic pairings in real life. Nothing you're saying makes sense I think to me it's right so, now. I think it's so funny though, because like, was it during her poop stage? Probably. <laughs> okay. He's just like, there's poo on the wall. <laughs> um, I do think it's funny because he was like trying to like out Botchko Caruso almost. Yeah. Um, so I remember on Murder One, Stanley Tucci played a guy named Richard Cross. So anytime I see Benzali, I just immediately have a flashback to him just being like, Cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't love him in this movie. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, fine, yeah. but like, yeah. he's just this reminder of like 1997. He's as 1997 like, as it gets. Yeah. He should have been in playing God. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Diane Lane. This is good Diane Lane. Yeah. Um, even if she's kind of like underutilized. Definitely like, she, underused. She could have been the lead of this movie. Right. It would have just been like enough. Yes. Um, I love batshit Alan Alda. Like, <laughs> have you seen Whispers in the Dark? Uh, No. Do me a favor. Watch that as soon as possible. Okay. And then text me after it's over just about Alan Alda <laughs> in the last 20 minutes of that movie. Okay. When he plays, like, smarmy villain guy, yeah. it's pretty great. Okay. Like, I'm thinking The Aviator, Whispers in the Dark, this. this. Like, I really yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I thought that, not that it's, like, great screenwriting, but I did think that the the why this is happening was clever. Sure. And interesting. Yeah. Um, It's cool seeing, like, Ronnie Cox be kind of like Ronnie Cooks. <laughs> A bit. Well, he's not a cog, but he's just like a big... I feel like he should have played the Alan Alda part, and Alan Alda should have been the president. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I don't need to see Alan Alda gunned down. <laughs> it is weird saying that, yeah. Doesn't sit right with me. But yeah. I guess, I mean, it makes sense in terms of casting against type, so that it's a surprise, you know, that we're spoiling, but whatever. Um, I get it from that perspective, but yeah. I just feel like the movie might have clicked a little more had they switched roles i do think it's funny that like in that moment he's just like i'm going for a gun oh yeah I'm just like this is not a move <laughs> um let's see here mm. oh one thing that bothered me in it is you know the scene where like diane lane goes into the hall of records and she's looking for like the files yeah. and stuff yeah so that's the whole second half of this she, movie <laughs> So she's got like a step ladder, and it looks similar to like the ladders that we would use at Office Depot when I worked there. Okay. And she does the exact opposite of what you're supposed to be doing to like go down a ladder when you're done with it. Okay. Because you're supposed to basically like walk backwards, hold the handlebars, stuff like that, walk down. But she's just like running down them like it's a staircase. <laughs> and I'm just like, you are going to like get a major shin burger if you fall. She's not worried. She's Diane Lane in Murder at 1600, a movie written by um, an old, like, college friend or someone that JB knows. Wayne Beach. Like, somehow JB okay. knows Wayne Beach. Interesting. And he wrote Murder at 1600. Okay. Yeah. And then to tie together the last two movies. Yeah. When they go into the electronics store to watch the tape. Yeah. The movie they have to take out of the VCR is Free Willy 2. Get it? Mm -hmm. Easter egg for DHL fans? Just for me. Yeah. Just really for me. Just for you. Yeah. Uh, he was, this one, he was trying to make a 70s like paranoid thriller a la Three Days of the Condor. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot more light on its feet. It is. Yeah. Um, all right. So your ranking is what? 
Uh, I would go rapid fire number one. Uh, Halloween four number two. Free Willy two number three. Marked for death number four. Murder at sixteen hundred number five. Phantom okay. of the Opera number six. Okay, I like it. Yeah. So jealous of him. Jesse's mom, Sholin. <laughs> yeah, he's doing this all right. filmography. He's doing pretty good. He does mostly with... TV now. Yeah. Because uh, after this, he makes what? Anacondas? Oh, yeah. After. Uh... I feel like God was just like, you've had too much good fortune, Johnny <laughs> Mesner. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah. Anacondas, I can't get. Again, like Murder at 1600, like I can't quite get to loving. Mm. Uh, he said he was trying to make like an old fashioned jungle adventure, which he would have been better off if he didn't have to have a bunch of like CG anacondas. Yeah. I hear you. Oh, sorry. So, uh,. Definitely need to do some holiday shout outs. Oh, yeah. I love this. Before we forget. So um, I know this has kind of been a tough year for a lot of people, yeah. but I want to keep some people in mind. And, okay. You know. So happy holidays to Jumbo Shrimp and to Ocelot. <laughs> um, Jum- I'm pouring one out for Jumbo Shrimp. Jumbo Shrimp had a tough year. <laughs> raw deal. Um, and Ocelot's got those genital warts. So happy holidays to them. Happy holidays, Cypher. <laughs> sure. Thank you, Cypher. Good luck on that submarine. Yeah. Um, she's the crocodile at my watering <laughs> hole. Uh, ready to jump out and teach me lessons that I'll ingrain in my behavioral pattern. Um, happy holidays to the Skinamarink. Okay. Had to get stoned to forget you. <laughs> it worked. Happy holidays to Pussy Man from True Crime. Um, I hope you're collecting a lot of money for the Salvation Army this year. Did we talk about true crime this year? Yeah. We did. <laughs> yeah. Fast Zoo, Pussy Man. Oh, Fast Zoo. That's yeah. right. Um, happy holidays to uh, Volcano Toaster. Oh, yeah. You're in the hands of a friend. <laughs> happy holidays to, which I hope you're not using it because that thing was falling apart <laughs> and I'm afraid it'll set somebody's we house on fire. We plugged it in and it was very dangerous. Yeah. Happy holidays to Sydney J. Fury. Just I cherish the entire the man's entire catalog. Okay. Um, happy holidays to uh, Jurassic Park body wash. <laughs> Meant to be a gift for Patrick. Could have been mine. So good. Instead, I got uh, Teddy Kumar. <laughs> <laughs> happy holidays to Anne Bancroft's Malice Scotch. <laughs> Hope you're in her belly. Now you're in the game. <laughs> Happy birthday to Bill Pullman today. Oh, for real? Yeah. Shit. Happy birthday, Pullman. Yeah. Um, happy holidays to the Punani. <laughs> <laughs> um, happy holidays to Carlito Brigante's death rattle. Yes. <laughs> and happy holidays to John Gotti, of course. R.I.P. Everybody knows he was a great man. That's right. He kept the neighborhood safe. <laughs> Uh, and I thought that we could maybe like close out the show with um, a little holiday cheer from Carlito Brigante. Oh, okay. So give me one minute. Riff, okay. riff Patrick. Yeah, riff. I just want to, uh, before we get into like, thank you, everybody, I just want to close out talking about DHL because he really is one of my favorite directors. And I do feel like his run uh, that we kind of talked about here, uh, he makes movies that I think would have been about a third as good in the hands of most other directors. Like he makes every movie about 66% better, which I love. 
I agree with that. Yeah, he definitely like puts a lot of care into anything that he does. Yeah. And he elevates things past their what they could have been. Right. Their genre trappings sure. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Right. yeah. <clears throat> All right, here we go, Carlito. Gotta gotta warm up. <laughs> All right. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring. Not even Gabe. <laughs> Sorry, baby. It was Hanukkah and I was with Kleinfeld. Talk about eight crazy nights. Gail's gonna be a good mom. New and improved <laughs> new and improved Carlito Brigante. Hope she uses the money to get out. No room in the North Pole for big hearts like hers. Sorry, baby. <laughs> I tried the best I could. Honest. Can't come with me on this trip. Slay's too heavy. Too many presents to give out. Getting the shakes now. Should have brought a coat. Last call for presidents. For presidents. <laughs> <laughs> Last call for presents. Who's naughty? Who's nice? Christmas Eve closing down. Sun is out. Where are we going for breakfast, Rudolph? <laughs> don't want to. Don't want to go far. Maybe Denny's. Rough night. Tired, baby. Tired. <laughs> I want to hear Carlito forgot the order. Moon's over my hammy. <laughs> I'll have. Something no butter the, on the bread. <laughs> Give me something off the Wonka menu. <laughs> Are them pancakes purple? <laughs> they gonna mix my shit to blue? <laughs> Rebecca Damone don't like it when my shit's blue. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw up in the way. <laughs> I hope the next year's uh, holiday show includes a shout out to Rebecca Mo- De Mornay's poo hands, <laughs> because surely that's become part of this movie lore now. Is her yeah. interest in <laughs> Becky poo, poo. <laughs> Be- Becky De Poo hands? Fecal De Mornay. Um. Thank you, everybody, for listening all yeah. year long. Mm-hmm. We love doing this show. Uh, we love all of you. Uh, thank you, everybody, who supported our Patreon this year. Yes. Thank you, everybody, who comments on our articles or retweets us or posts on Facebook or I would say emails us. We don't get very many emails. Okay. But, uh it's just poo. It's mostly just <laughs> it's mostly poo. just written in poo. People just write, I gave you all the clues, Mr. Detective and Pooh. <laughs> and then they take a picture and email that to us, which is nice because it's always nice to get mail. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, Adam, for doing this show. Yeah. No, thank you. This is always a blast and a great way to kind of start off like that winter break holiday period. Yeah. I hope that... Some some of you maybe are listening to this on your way to your family's home yes. or like decorating the house or cleaning up or doing some kind of errands. 
So we Aaron. hope that we Aaron, <laughs> we hope that we were able to spend some time with you and give you some laughs, some some good cheer. Yeah, if things don't go well at the families, just listen to this episode again. Yeah, because it's guaranteed to cheer you up. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy All Holidays. We love you all. Thank you. Wuhan. Listening to FS Movie.